What's okay. what what scene are we? This is the beginning of the carbon freezing chamber. He's emerging as composing for films is always done under pressure. Sometimes the composer may see a script in advance, but his first practical involvement is usually the spotting session, when he sits down with the director to plan where music is needed, and equally important, where it isn't. Is that yeah, that's the beginning of the real beginning of rescue. the real rescue. That's an important moment. And yeah. and he's he's Landau's beginning beginning to really to emerge as a as a as right. a goodie. Right. Every director is very different. Some have no idea at all. They say, "Here's the film. Do the best you can. Put music wherever you like." And others are very specific, and some are very expert at it. With some, there are disagreements. Where some whose feelings won't won't synchronize with the composers. My experience has been vast with these people. In those looks, yeah, it can build. Yeah, right there. Yeah. It's a love scene. We call it a love scene. It's actually a scene that leads to a kiss, which is the equivalent of a, a major love sequence of another film. And um, the music is a very, very important part of it. It's integral to the scene because there are only about uh, seven lines in the entire sequence. Uh, and the music is the dialogue in that particular scene. It tells us what she's feeling because actually uh, the two people are in open conflict but uh, the music says ah what you're seeing is maybe conflict but that's a game because actually uh, I think they're falling in love now here it is with the orchestral recording mixed into the soundtrack <laughs> This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of... IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies, all for you. Hello, one and all, and welcome back to the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast. Broadcasting on Channel 1138 and also coming to you from StarWarsUnderworld.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, 
cast box, pod bean, and just about anything else you can think of. I think the only thing we're not on right now is like YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, you know, little websites like that. Not a big deal. But we're happy to be coming at you for another rousing top five episode. Uh, it's been a little while since we've done like an actual top five. We try and do about one a month if we can, and uh, it's that time again. And it's going to be a lot of fun because this one is another musical component. We did one fairly similar to this, specific to uh, one Mr. John Williams, not too long ago. And it proved to be really popular. So hopefully this one proves just as enlightening and just as fun. Um, This should be really, really interesting to uh, see what everybody thinks about film scores uh both you know present and past we're going to touch on all of that and hopefully so much more but i'm definitely not going to do it alone my name is zach for those of you new to the program and uh, i've got a couple of buds that are going to be helping me discuss all of these top five lists that have uh been presented to us this evening uh joining me off the top of the show is uh one mr jake damon how are you tonight man Hey guys, pretty good. Hey Zach, how are you? I I feel like I feel like today's been a long day. I feel like I've gotten the wind kicked Dude, out of me yes. for so many reasons. Uh but you know, just when I thought I was down for the count, some news dropped tonight we'll get to later that really uh really was the straw that broke the camel's back. Uh in a weird way, I can't wait to talk about it cuz I have some thoughts and I'm sure you do too. Um but yeah, I'm excited to be here tonight. Finish him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's basically how all of that went down. Um, for me, uh, I, I was down for the count about uh, 4 p.m. this afternoon. Yep. I was I was supposed to be picking up my brother from work about 3.30, and that window from 3.30 to 4, I was blocked at every which way possible by about 200 freight cars of coal. That oh, wow. uh, that just did not want to move, which ended up obstructing my my means of getting to where my brother is. He was literally on the other side of the tracks, oh, and I it was just that. stopped on the tracks. couldn't Couldn't get to him, so I tried to go around. Guess what? That road was blocked too. So I tried to get on the highway and go up and around. <laughs> <laughs> thought I found something when I took this this exit that was like two miles away or something like that. And just when I got to that intersection, the train decided it was ready to start moving again. And it went right through the intersection that I had just arrived at. Of course. Isn't that how it always goes? I mean, I was just like, are you serious right now? Are you serious could not believe it i was gonna say you, uh, you you should have done some literal train hopping and just climbed right over the train well okay so i i seriously thought about like just parking my car going across the tracks getting my brother and then like coming back to where my car was parked in the road but then i was like uh, if i get towed that's the company car not my car yeah not not really sure i want to do that <laughs> Yep, I wouldn't risk it. And so I did not risk it for the biscuit. I tried to be, you know, a law-abiding citizen and all that sort of thing. And <laughs> you can you can tell how well that went for me. Yeah. 
But uh, I'm still here, and uh, I went and got some comfort food to try and appease uh, my otherwise relatively crappy day. I am celebrating the fact that um, Spicy Nuggets are back at yes. Wendy's. I have heard Oh, this. my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I got, a, I got a four for four so that I had some other protein and some fries and a drink and stuff. And then I got two more sets of the four-pack of nuggets. So I had, like, a total of 12 nuggets, a sandwich, fries, and a drink for, like, six fifty. Oh, nice. And I was like, oh, yes, this is my dinner. Uh, unfortunately, I made the mistake of blending um, spicy nuggets with a rather spicy adult beverage, and that did not go well. Uh-oh. I am probably setting myself up for heartburn and nightmares tonight, but I will worry about that in about four hours. Yeah, have fun with that one when you're in the oh, it'll be, sleeping. It'll, it'll be it'll be so much fun. You can tell by the dripping of sarcasm I've got in my voice. <laughs> yeah, I... I went to Wendy's last week and I saw advertised on a sign out front that there was, they had like a $5 big bag, quote unquote. And they said, yeah, lots the, of the, food. The, the biggie bag. Yep. yep. So I, I don't know if it was just my specific location or what, but I went and I got it and was disappointed to find that it seemed to be just the same amount of food that the four for four has, but I was paying a dollar extra. So so the the difference is there's bacon on the sandwich. I'm paying a dollar extra for bacon. Basically, I need to basically. go home and rethink my life. It's it's a it's it's basically instead of getting a regular double stack, you're getting a bacon double stack. Oh my! And then fries, drinks, nuggets, all that stuff. Yeah, you're basically paying a dollar for a couple of pieces of bacon. Well. I'll stick to the four for four. Thank you very much, Wendy's. Yep, same. <laughs> that honestly, I really actually, I really liked the four for four back when there was a lot of stuff to choose from because I used to get the grilled chicken go wrap. I yeah. thought I was being healthy by getting a go wrap. Now the go wrap costs like two thirty something over here by me, and I'm like, hell no, I'm not paying two thirty something when I used to pay a dollar for it in the four for four. Exactly, I. Same with McDonald's. They have a crispy chicken snack wrap, a ranch snack wrap that I think is really good for McDonald's anyway. And they used to have it two for two, and now it's like, you know, four something for both of them. Ah, uh, no. No, 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 no. See, that's that's been my thing is I've been trying to find where some of the best values are as far as like drive through food is concerned. Mm -hmm. Getting Getting the best bang for your buck without feeling like – you're also being like a cheap hoe and like selling yourself for getting four dollars worth of food at the drive-thru <laughs> right and uh so far wendy's has done okay yeah um the spicy nuggets definitely helps as far as you know considering what i'm gonna end up getting and what drive-thru i'm gonna go to et cetera, et cetera. but uh it's not it's not always a done deal. Right. Not I, I tend to go off the rails just a little bit, if you'll pardon the train pun. <laughs> wow. Um, and speaking of that, we do have some other things to talk about. Ben is going to be joining us shortly. Uh, he was delayed, unfortunately. Uh, it was unavoidable. But he promises to be here as soon as he can. So we'll probably get through the news and then jump into our top fives, hopefully by then. 
uh, Mr. Hart will be able to join the fun. But one of the um, biggest pieces of news that dropped this week, um, it, it hasn't been confirmed by, I don't think it has been. Has it been officially confirmed by either Disney or Sony? Or is this just a report that's come in? It's As far as we know, it's a report. There's actually other reports coming out that it may not be as bad as we think it is. But the fact that it's public isn't a good sign. But right. there there have been a lot of really uh, uh, you know, reliable places reporting this. So. Yeah, there's been, there's been a lot of talk that Disney and Sony have been in a standoff uh, regarding the future of Spider-Man in the uh, movie sense. Uh, whether he's going to be in the Sony universe with uh, with Venom or if he's going to continue to be in the MCU. And for a while, it sounded like Sony was just done. They were just pulling the plug on everything, and they were just like, screw this, we're not continuing this, we're done, we're keeping uh, the, the names, the licensing, the rights, all of that, and we're not even going to give them to you on a loaner like a paid loaner basis yeah um some people had been saying that it had to do with the production costs uh disney had been paying 100 percent of the of the movie production and then um just giving sony credit because they own the rights to uh spider-man mm-hmm. and then they're trying to renegotiate for a 50 50 deal and that caused them to pull the plug but now there's a uh, Sony representative that spoke to io9 recently and said it's their belief that this dispute is simply over a producer credit and that negotiations are ongoing. They further clarify that Feige has contributed to other Spider-centric movies that he did not receive a producer credit on. So if we're talking Spider-centric movies, the only ones that we've really had are venom and into the spider-verse unless i'm forgetting something yeah yeah so apparently he had a hand in one slash both of those and then didn't get any credit for it and now he's butthurt over it something like that i i don't know but it the way it looks to me is that sony is getting a little big-headed and they're definitely you know counting all their eggs before they hatch in the literal sense of you know money because everybody in the movie industry whether we like to admit it or not is making movies at least the studios their their end goal is how much money can we make and with the spider-man owned characters that they have already like venom and uh you know they they are free to play with spider-man as they will like animated version like they did with into the spider-verse which was fantastic into the spider-verse didn't make a whole lot of money but venom if i'm not mistaken cleared or almost made a billion as far as i know uh it was up there anyway so there's that and then now that the mcu involvement of spider-man and the deal that has been ongoing for the last handful of years uh has been really successful um this last spider-man movie far from home is the highest grossing Spider-Man movie of all time, which is nothing to shake a stick at. And I think Sony is like, all right, thanks for making our character popular again and critically, uh, you know, received well and received well by fans, uh, which the amazing Spider-Mans, the the two that were before uh, Tom Holland with Andrew Garfield, weren't so critically received well, uh, well critically received, I should say. Um 
and as far as I know, what went down is that and the you know, Marvel Studios was basically giving 90% of the profits to Sony. And now they're trying to get 50%, which I think is pretty fair, if we're being honest. Like, they're doing most of the work. Um, and Sony's not really having it. And, yeah, I mean, it's understandable from a business point of view. But judging by the backlash from fans and and you know, myself included, uh, there's an outcry to keep Spider-Man where he belongs in the MCU. And at least for an hour today, I, I kept refreshing my, my, uh, trending on Twitter. And most of them were Spider-Man related. The number one being hashtag save Spider-Man. So that tells you how fans feel. Well, it's just unfortunate that this type of news happens to come out right after the success of far from home Mm -hmm. you know i don't think it's even left theaters yet and there's already this conversation going on which is really really unfortunate timing and just really unfortunate circumstances but i also can't help but think there's something to all of this that it was able to leak that it was able to become news in the first place that People are trying to do some damage control and, like, talk it back down now. You know, I I think that that this conflict is real. I don't think that there's anything to dispute that there is a a financial discussion going on about Spider-Man. I'm just of the opinion that this is all a negotiation tactic that got out of hand. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm of the mindset. I, I won't claim to have... At like amazing business sense. I've never done a startup. I've never been part of like a big business. I've always been part of like local and family owned operations and things like that. I've, I've never really been on the business side of big industry before. But it, it would seem to me that if this is Sony's biggest bargaining chip, they're going to wield it as mightily as they can to try and get as much profit out of it as they can. Yeah. And so threatening to pull him out, it, it, it doesn't make much sense to actually follow through on that. Because you're right, Marvel has been putting in a lot of the legwork and Sony's been reaping in a lot of the profits. To completely cut that off means that you would have to start paying for 100% of these movies and and end up getting 100% of the profits. But there's no guarantee that those profits will be what you would get from the MCU. Yeah. And and so I I don't really feel like it's something that they're willing to do. But I think it would be something that would reaffirm to Disney that they're not willing to sell Spider-Man's rights. Which is something that we know Disney has been after since they came to this movie agreement a few years ago. Right. They were originally trying to purchase it, and Sony wouldn't do it. Now, with the success of Homecoming, Far From Home, uh, you know, Civil War, even Infinity War, you know, with all of that success, maybe part of the negotiations became a discussion to see about purchasing the rights again, and Sony balked at it and was like, no, if you try and offer to buy it from us, we're just going to back out completely. Right. And so that's kind of what it seemed like to me is like almost a knee jerk reaction. Maybe Marvel hinted at the idea of buying 
And Sony hated that idea and was just like, nope, we're done. Right. And then some, somehow that got out. Uh, in in my eyes, this will end up getting resolved to where, you know, maybe it'll instead of a 50-50 split, it'll be like a 75-25 or something like that. But it just it doesn't make sense for either side to lose this agreement because Tom Holland and Spider-Man has kind of become the new face of the MCU. You know, they, this is kind of like the future of Marvel movies. So I don't think Marvel can afford story wise to just have Spider-Man disappear from their universe. Right. And I don't and I don't think Sony can afford to lose those profits. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I feel like unless they come up with a good plan for how to make that transition more smooth, you know, I I tweeted earlier today, he's connected to, you know, the MCU now. He's he's like rooted in here. He's had experiences with characters in the MCU, you know, he's closely tied with Tony Stark and the villains he's had so far have been really you know closely related with tony stark and and it just seems unnatural to take that building story and just end it all of a sudden it just seems weird and unnatural and frankly i don't think that i i think that a decision this rash really has some negative consequences on like story continuity specifically no i I, i'm with you i i totally agree like story-wise as a writer i'm sitting here going well they just revealed Peter Parker's identity in Far From Home. Yeah, where's that going now? Like, how are you going to be able to, like, just do away with him in the MCU now and, and just not have him in any of these projects? Is he going to go into, like, the superhero version of Witness Protection or something like that? Like, it, it it doesn't make any sense for him to disappear off the face of the Earth when he's just been put in the biggest spotlight he's ever been in. Yeah. And so, yeah, story-wise, it doesn't make sense for him to disappear. Now, what I do find interesting is he doesn't seem to have any connections, really, to anything that's going on in Phase 4. Yeah. If, if, you, if you take a look at things like Black Widow, Loki, Hawkeye, Shang-Chi... All the things that they're looking at doing, uh, Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. you know, unless you want to open up a, a can of worms where, you know, Spider-Man joins them in the multiverse and bumps into Andrew Garfield, th- there, there's really no way to kind of put Spider-Man into any of these movies or TV series unless, like, they really, really force the issue to bring him into it. So there's time for these negotiations to be ongoing and end up resolved in time for an Avengers movie, in time for a cameo, in time for, you know, whatever they're going to do next with the character. They've got a couple of years to work with. I don't feel like this is something we need to get super concerned about just yet. I think the most concerning thing is the publicity surrounding the negotiations. You need to keep that stuff under better wraps. Yeah, exactly. So the way that I, you know, on basically on one hand, you have this the Spider-Man in the MCU. It was growing. It was flourishing. This is the best, in my opinion, Spider-Man has ever been. 
Um, I think they could make changes here and there, but overall they had a really good direction plan for, for Spider-Man. And even with his age, he was set to grow into an older Peter Parker in an older role. And that would have been a cool transition to see. But, you know, if we don't, get that that's that's really sad but on the other hand and this is you know fingers crossed what i'm hoping for is that all of this is just a miscommunication taken way out of proportion uh maybe the report is off who knows either way it is possible that we could see you know people calm down a little bit and realize what what the the real wise decision here is for both parties which i think is to keep him in the mcu and it would keep everybody happy because if if this did go down i can't see people reacting in a great way because i i feel like it was already going to make less money if it was just a sony property again but to make your fan base upset and angry that doesn't seem like a smart move no and the 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 way social media has such an influence these days you can be sure that both marvel and sony are are hearing this on lots of different fronts twitter especially but to to be bombarded with this kind of of speculation it's it's really interesting because by letting something like this leak and i really do feel like it was allowed to be leaked i really i'm i'm a conspiracy theorist i believe that this was a hundred percent allowed to make it to the public. Um, yeah, but it, what's interesting is the timing of all of it. I would have been more interested to, to receive news like this around October or something like that, which would be right before the release of Disney plus. I, I find it really interesting. that news like this is coming out while far from home is still in theaters. Right. It's it's not it's not like the the movie is losing its popularity. It's not like the the movie has fallen into obsolescence yet. Like you said, one of the best, if not the best, uh, live action Spider Man films we've ever gotten, and it's crossed the billion dollar worldwide threshold. Like the movie is financially and critically a success. So for this stuff to come out and, and for people to be talking about Spider-Man again, mm-hmm. I I would have thought that that kind of conversation would have been desired by publicists at a different time. And so to me that the timing of this news is what's interesting because now are they hoping that people go back and watch one more time and put a few more dollars in their pocket? Is this like some sort of, you know, attempt to gain a, a last hurrah a couple hundred thousand couple million more before it leaves theaters i really feel like there's more to this than meets the eye and it always comes back to the bottom dollar yeah and if if this is some sort of you know cheap marketing ploy i wonder how successful it's going to be by the time the movie leaves theaters yeah i mean time will tell but uh yeah in the meantime it's it's sad news if true but yeah we'll we'll see how it goes within the next couple of months here hopefully by the, d23 the one bright spot that i can see in all of this and believe me this is the one bright spot is if sony decides to follow through on this and if they do keep Tom Holland under contract for one more movie because he was signed on to this project for six films. 
So technically, Sony still has the rights to one more superhero film with Tom Holland in it. Yeah. They could, in theory, bring him into a Sony Spider-Man movie. And my train of thought would be, why not do a crossover film with Holland, Maguire, and Garfield? That would be very cool. <laughs> Get like a multiverse thing going on because we got the Spider-Verse from, from Sony's animation team. We could get something similar with the three Spider-Men that we know from the live-action series and maybe take the Sinister Six that was implied to become the big baddie from the Amazing Spider-Man franchise, make them the antagonists of this crossover flick, and the only way they can be defeated is with the help of Spider-Man from other universes, find a way to open up the multiverse, get those three guys onto the same screen, and it ties up a lot of loose ends from Garfield's universe. It brings a lot of the fans from Maguire's era back into the theater, plus people from the MCU wanting to cheer on Tom Holland in his next production. I think there's a way they can make some big bucks if they actually pitched a crossover movie. But that's the only way I can see Sony handling this Tom Holland Spider-Man on, on his own two feet. Yeah, I I agree that that would be a great path to go down. Of course, since I came up with this great idea, it obviously means Sony's not going to do that. Correct. Yeah, it seems like any good idea people have, <laughs> Sony's just like, oh, let's uh, let's do the opposite of that. It's like it's like that skyscraper where it's like, okay, team, we need new ideas for Spider-Man in the Sony franchise. <laughs> Make a Venom movie. Just make another Spider-Man film and pretend like he never left the MCU. And then the guy with his hand, like like his face resting on his fist, he's like, why not do a crossover with Garfield and Maguire? <laughs> Next panel. Throw him out the window. Yep. We don't want to hear your good ideas, basically. Right? Yep. Right? It's really sad. Oh. Well, the, the saddest part, <laughs> Amy Pascal, you know, as she was kind of in charge of Sony Pictures and what was going on there, and she stepped down because of the email stuff with sony pretty recently but she actually seemed as much as she's villainized she seemed really on board with the whole kevin feige thing and and uh disney and all that stuff and now some other guy is is in the chair and he's making all these decisions i just don't think that amy pascal would have been so quick to make a decision like this i don't know i i, I don't Hmm. I won't claim to have an understanding of what's going on in those executives' heads. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Because we can, we can assume it's money-based, but they also have to make decisions long-term going, okay, we may make less money now, but what will it mean over the long run? You know, that's these big business decisions like that have to be made where you see into the future a little bit. And things like this just seem really short-sighted. It can be. It, it, there's there's definitely the potential for that. Yeah. And hopefully that's not what it comes to. Well, like I said, I am of the belief that this is just bargaining tactics. Yeah. Bar bargaining tactics that made that made themselves public and now they're doing some damage control in the negotiation room and in the public to try and calm everybody back down. I think by the time that it's time for a new 
Spider-Man iteration or a new Spider-Man movie, we'll have everything all sorted out. Um, we're, we're supposed to be talking about top five film scores tonight. We're, we're looking at people's lists. Um, and, you know, obviously John Williams has had a lot of influence on film scores in the last 40 years. And he's back for one more round with The Rise of Skywalker. And according to his brother, there's apparently 135 minutes of music to be recorded for The Rise of Skywalker. Wow. Uh, that, that does not mean the movie's going to be 135 minutes. That's just how much music we're going to get. We obviously aren't going to have music playing throughout every single sequence that goes on throughout the entire film. I don't know of any movie that's ever done that, and I hope to goodness it never happens, because it sounds like it would be just an absolute train wreck. (laughs) See all those train references I keep making? Yeah. It's really been been on my mind today. It's a theme tonight. It's it's going to be. (laughs) Um but I'm I'm curious. What are your thoughts on on this number of 135 minutes of music for TROS? Well, it seems high, uh, a high number, which is good. You know, depending on on how you look at it. I mean, a lot of you know, you get the soundtrack for a movie, and it'll have like versions of songs that were in the movie, but were cut short for the movie for time, and you get the full length on the on the CD. So it could just be that. But I think the thing that interests me most about this is the fact that we're getting little pieces of each theme that we've heard in Star Wars, which, you know, that any any saga Star Wars movie has bits and pieces of music that are iconic to that that movie specifically, like with uh, Phantom Menace, you've got Duel of the Fates and 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 so on. So it's like if you can hear those little pieces of those in this movie, that I think is going to be something really special that we haven't heard in a Star Wars movie before. Uh, it also kind of gives me a sense of like completion, you know, like we're bringing pieces of all of the films that have led up to this point so far and letting you listen to them one more time before we bow out of this story. And it's I'm sure it's going to be emotional for me um to an extent and i feel like it is honoring what came before you know all different eras whether you like them or not it's star wars and the fact that john williams is putting all of them into one movie i think is going to be very cool and a a i was going to say a sight to behold but this is going to be a a listen to behold yeah i mean i i i talked about this with uh with sage over at his cantina i I think it was last night Mm -hmm. um he was asking me what were some of the things that i wanted out of the rise of skywalker and i told him i wanted a situation that called for a respectful callback to the duel of the fates yeah because that was the one that kind of got episode one off and running the beginning of this story leading all the way up to episode nine the conclusion of this story I wanted something that would require me to, you know, if I watch these movies one through nine, I watch episode one and hear a Duel of the Fates segment. I go through the entire saga pretty much not hearing it again, save for, you know, some some uh, some dissident melodies that resemble it in uh, Revenge of the Sith. Going all the way through the rest of the franchise until the very last movie, and then maybe there's a duel that actually helps determine the fate of the galaxy. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Like a literal duel of the fates. That would be awesome. Like that that would be something that I would really want to to participate in, get invested in. And I feel like it's something that Abrams and Williams could collaborate on and and make happen, but I I don't presume to know what's going on in either of their heads and I'm trying hard not to put up like really really big expectations. Because I think that's what doomed me with The Last Jedi was, you know, thinking slash hoping slash expecting all these elements to be, you know, even more gripping and even more captivating and even more funny and even more action packed than what we saw in The Force Awakens. Yeah. And so I really am trying hard not to have that um, that kind of expectation put upon a film because... I don't want to end up disappointed if it doesn't happen, you know? Yeah. I, I still want to be able to embrace it and appreciate it for what it is, still get the closure, what amount I'm able to get. There, There's a lot riding on this film, and yet I'm trying hard to forget that fact so that I can enjoy it as much as possible. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, I feel like I've been going on a bunch of tangents lately. We need... Ben to get in here and break up all these monologues that have been going on. But we've actually got stuff to talk about, believe it or not. We've got actual film scores that you guys have submitted to us online through uh, Facebook chats, through private groups, private message chats here on channel1138.com, Twitter. I got a list that was sent to me via text message, <laughs> like... It's, it's been coming in from all over the place, and we've got 23 lists to go through tonight, not including the ones that the hosts have. So, Wow. I say we get this show on the road. What do you say? I agree 100%. All right. So let's go ahead and get into top five film scores. This does not necessarily mean the top five best, but it can mean the five that you love the most. So we'll we'll see where this takes us. And we're actually going to kick things off with a brand new patron of the podcast. A, uh, a friend of mine from baseball that I was working for this baseball team last year called the Texas Air Hogs. Uh, he's a season ticket holder there, and now he's a patron of the IPC podcast. Carrie Fleming's list is as follows. An honorable mention, I love much of the Top Gun soundtrack. I don't think I've seen Top Gun, so I don't know if I can say. Um, if I do, I guess I don't remember it. Uh, at number five, we've got The Fifth Element. At number four, Jaws. At number three, Jurassic Park. Number two, Blade Runner. And number one, Star Wars. Nice, nice, nice. That's a super solid list. Heck yeah. That is a really solid list. I have heard, I know I've heard four out of those six. Yeah, I, I sure I can't remember the Top Gun uh, soundtrack off the top of my head, but or the Fifth Element one. To be honest, I love the Fifth Element too, so I don't I don't know why I can't remember that. But all the reason to go back and watch it again. Exactly, I I that's one of the most rewatchable uh, sci-fi movies. Um, but yeah, heck yeah, I I love that list. Um, up next, we've got a guy we know, Joey Mays patron of the show and uh i think owns a uh, wonderful sandwich shop 
near me. You think you're going to have to like go out there and actually try the sandwiches now that you've moved to Pennsylvania. I know they could be horrible sandwiches for all I know, but you know what? There's only one way to find wow. out. I, I said for all I know, I was just opening up the wow. possibility. They could be amazing, Jake. Did you ever think of that? Yes, I I realize they could also be amazing as well. I'm I'm saying there's so many possibilities for what these sandwiches could taste like, and I really just want to find out for myself. That's all I'm saying. And you led with the negative? Well, I got to get the negative out of the way. The guy contributes financially to what we do. Oh, man, I just ruined this. Oh, sorry, Joey. I didn't mean anything by it. Uh, well, maybe there's somebody who can help us break the ice then. Because... Uh, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with you. Ben, if somebody was to come on the air and trash May's sandwich shop, what would you do to them? Um, I don't know. I think I think there are several forms of torture that uh, would soothe them. By the way, hi, guys. <laughs> That's Ben Hart, everybody. He comes on the show and just instantly starts talking about torture. <laughs> Just that's just the way we roll here. I have no idea how we got here, but uh, yeah. Well, we were talking about one list of Mr. Joey Mays from Mays Sandwich Shop, and uh, Jaco over here was like, "I need to go try these sandwiches, but for all I know, they could be terrible." Oh, oh! How dare you? Like, really? Come on. For all you know, that could be amazing. His justification is he's trying to get the negative out of the way. I I don't I don't know if if I can if I can let that slide that easily though. Um real quick, Jake's not in the call. Well, what <laughs> did you do to him? I don't know. I didn't do anything to him. Let me try to get him. I think I called the wrong thing when I Yeah, I think we got him now. Hello. You were talking bad about you. You couldn't defend yourself. I'm so sorry. How long was I gone? Um, since I came on. Oh. Basically, since I accepted Ben's call to the to the IPC Skype call instead of the individual call you and I had going. Oh my goodness! Craziness, it craziness. It happens. How are you, Ben? I'm pretty darn good. I'm not sure about you though. I I'm hanging in there. <laughs> yeah, hanging was one of the means of torture that we had considered for uh, punishment for trashing May's sandwich shop. Wow. Well, oh yeah, my goodness. I, I have nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> Except that I deserve it, probably. Uh, you know what? Y- your, your punishment is you now have to go and sample every one of his sandwiches on the menu. I would do it. I would do it. That's your that's your penance, Jake. You have to try every single sandwich and tell us what you thought of them. Uh, well, and if and if and if they're you have to do it all in one sitting. You have to you have to try like sliders of every sandwich on the menu, even if it's like thirty different sandwiches. The, you've got to try them all. This has to be the best punishment ever. Okay, you messed up. <laughs> you've got to eat sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I don't think this is even considered a punishment, really, truly. It's the, well, it's a I think long. I think I think long term it could, uh, as far as bodily functions are concerned. True, eating that much bread, I, you're gonna end up hella constipated, boy. I think at one time, maybe I could do two or three sandwiches tops. Um. So yeah, this is the IPC podcast where we talk about <laughs> torture and constipation, and uh, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. IPC, the intergalactic podcast about constipation. Intergalactic peace constipation. <laughs> wow. Oh, 
So where are we in this show? I, I I'm, I'm how totally far did, lost. How far did I get through Joey's list? You didn't get to Joey's list at all. Oh, I just read it. Oh, my gosh. I, I thought I was talking to people, but I was talking to no one. So <laughs> You were talking to yourself. <laughs> should we, uh, is Ben all introduced? Yes, we're yep, good to go. I'm here. This is the show now. All <laughs> this, right. This is, this is IPC. Well, folks, uh, <laughs> going forward, Joey May's list. Uh, if you, I can never forgive me for trashing your sandwich shop that I haven't tried. Number five, Star Wars Episode Five. Very fitting that uh, Episode Five is number five. The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, number four, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Number three, mm-hmm. Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. Uh, number two, Ghostbusters. There's a catchy jingle. And uh, number one, Jurassic Park. I gotta say, man, I I love your list. What do you guys think? Yeah, I hate solid. it. <laughs> Zach hates it. I'm shocked this isn't like Zach's list. I expected Ghostbusters to be number one on Joey's list, but uh, he must really like Jurassic Park. Yeah. There's very little to dislike about Jurassic Park. I'll put it that way. I mean, who doesn't like Jurassic Park? Come on. Jurassic- there are some people. I went on a date with somebody who didn't really care for Jurassic Park, and guess what we did? We went and saw Jurassic Park in concert. I thought you were. I thought you were going to say, "Guess what we did?" I went home immediately. <laughs> I, I'm a gentleman. I'll I'll stick it out. I'll I'll ride it out. Uh, but like. I don't know. the The whole thing was just very awkward and and very weird. And then they ended up trash talking about me in front of their college students that they were teaching the next week. And it just Ooh. it turned into a really big fiasco. And I'm so glad that nothing really came of that because if if that is how they you know decide to act behind people's backs, I don't really want something long term with that kind of person, anyways. You're darn right. Yeah, yeah. So that doesn't if they, sound if they, like if they a... talk bad about you behind your back and they don't care for Jurassic Park, then you're looking for love in Alderaan places. <sighs> SMH. <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say. SMDH, oh boy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Damn. Okay. Quick shout out to our patrons, like Joey Mays, Jake, Rachel Perry, Dan Grievous, Parker Ott, and our newest patron, as we mentioned. Carrie Fleming. If you're interested in becoming a patron of the program and receiving top billing for every top five program that we do, we even bring our top five patrons onto the show sometimes. So if you want to be on a top five that you sponsor, then uh, you should totally go check out patron.podbean.com forward slash IPC podcast. You get access to a special group called the Peacekeeper Corps. You get to be part of special chats, and uh, you get a lot of other really hands-on benefits that you wouldn't get as a regular listener. And uh, when I say hands-on benefits, it's not a game of footsie with me. Sorry. It's only $5 a month. You don't get that kind of exclusive benefits. And you had to make it weird. <laughs> Shall I go on to the Peacekeepers? Let us move on to the Peacekeeper Corps. Yes, please. So, first off, from the Peacekeepers, we've got our good buddy, Mr. Kenny Crayley Jr. He's an old standby. He never lets us down, and he definitely doesn't let us down with this list. He starts off at number five with Raiders of the Lost Ark. Number four, Superman the Movie. Number three, Return of the Jedi. Number two, The Empire Strikes Back. And number one... A New Hope, which we just talked about last week. 
which does have a pretty fantastic film score, by the way. Like, I mean, yeah, it, it. I mean, you can kind of credit. I mean, all the themes you know that are still happening in Star Wars originated in that film. Um, not all of them, but a good portion of them. And uh, yeah, yeah, you can't you can't really get much better than that. I find it so interesting that you know you had Johnny Williams doing film scores for like low budget productions, and then you had John Williams doing the Cowboys, which was a western. And then he gets onto this space flick, and that's the thing that turns out to be, like, one of his most popular pieces, if not the most popular piece he's ever done of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Like, it's it's it's, crazy. it's crazy how that works, but it's a great list, Kenny, and I, I had a feeling that Superman was going to end up in there somewhere. You're probably one of the biggest Superman fans I know, so... Mm-hmm. Getting getting the Superman score in there. Get in there, you big furry o. I couldn't care less what you smell. What you smell. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> that was oh, so you fantastic. know, you you know, no, no, no. He's saying thank you because that's going to end up in a post credit scene. <laughs> it might. By the way, by the way, what did you brought it up? Has anyone been listening to the end of these episodes? Has anyone? And... I mean to ask this in like the Peacekeeper group because I put stuff at the end of these episodes, like almost every one of them, and no one ever says anything. So I don't know if my effort is even worth it. D- these are the equivalent of MCU end credit scenes, guys. So you stick around. Hey, man. Stick around. <laughs> Yes. Don't don't just like as soon as Zach signs off, stop listening. He'll listen all the way through the music, all the way to the end. And now that like I don't do it every time, but I try to do it like on the past four or five episodes I've done one. Um and some of them are perfect. Yeah. So yeah. uh <laughs> the one the one you did of me and Darth Vader last week was freaking hysterical. Again, like most of them come about when it's like two in the morning and I'm just finishing up, I'm like Oh, I've got to do this. So, <laughs> and so that happened, and then we had um, you singing, uh, duetting with Elton John, Can You Feel the Love? This, this early, early evening. evening. Yes. <laughs> and then on the um, top, what was it? The top, the top five PBS shows, we got a little cameo from Bill Nye in there. I'm not going to say what it was, but he- Wait, what? He yelled an expletive. Really? And, uh, yeah, yeah. You gotta go listen to that That's one. That's hilarious. Uh, now I have to go back and listen to my own show, thanks to you. <laughs> I try and That's stay my... away from listening to my own voice because as I learned from our two hundred and fiftieth, going back and listening to like everything that uh that has transpired over the last five years, oh my gosh, thank God I don't have that southern drawl going on anymore. Speaking of you <laughs> and your southern drawl on the end of the 250th episode, you are there at the end. I don't so, even know um, what y'all are talking about, but I'm just glad I don't sound like Gomer Pyle no more. <laughs> oh surprise, oh. surprise, surprise. Wow. Golly. Golly, Sergeant. I didn't know you cared. <laughs> wow, that was a tangent. <laughs> Let's go to Sean's list. Another member of the Peacekeeper Corps. Uh, a good buddy of mine, I was with him in his cantina recently talking about uh, episode nine. Uh, his top five list is as follows. At number five, he's got Bohemian Rhapsody, which, I mean, it's Queen. Come on. 
2018 Halloween film, which is kind of a surprise to me because I thought he liked the original Halloween more, but... I guess that's best uh, saved for another time. At number three, Pirates of the Caribbean. At number two, Empire Strikes Back. And at number one, Revenge of the Sith. Which is his favorite Star Wars movie, I believe. I, mm-hmm. I honestly, the more I watch it, the more I understand where he comes from. Yeah, yeah, same. Because there's a lot of that full circle effect that happens in a lot of Star Wars films, and you don't really get that with Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you've got the happily ever after scene in the throne room, you've got the happily ever after scene on Naboo, you've got the happily ever after scene on Endor... The Revenge of the Sith, you've got the twin sons, which is kind of inspiring, but after all of the crap that went down, you're kind of like in this dystopian mood almost. Like, wow, this is how they're ending it? Mm-hmm. Like, whoa. So, yeah, I, I totally get that. That's a great list, Sage. Great, great list. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. Definitely. Somebody else gets to read this next one. I'll do it. Um, This one comes from Robin Glader, uh, and they sent us quite the descriptive list of of scores here. Usually we get a descriptive list like this from somebody else. So I appreciate that there was this much detail and thought put into it. I'm just a little too tired to try and read it. <laughs> well, I, I <laughs> sorry, Robin. I I love this. It gives me a little insight into you know what they're thinking and everything. So I I appreciate this very much. So we'll start with number five here, and uh, their number five is Mad Max Fury Road by Junkie XL. They said mm-hmm. a score that really gets you pumped. I love how it incorporates Immortan Joe's war musicians drumming and electric guitar playing into the score. The main theme is amazing. I totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, Number four, Inception by Hans Zimmer. Had to throw in a Hans Zimmer score here. Don't really know what to say about it. It's just great. Time, that's the name of one of the tracks, is obviously the standout. A truly beautiful piece of music, well worth listening to on its own. Also, one has to mention the trailer music, Mind Heist, not in the actual film. Probably the most imitated trailer music track ever, and with good reason. Um, Number three is Aliens by James Horner, inspired by the score from the original Alien by Jerry Goldsmith, which is a great score in its own right, but this takes it a step further by having some great memorable themes. There are a couple of standout themes, one being Ripley's Rescue. I get so pumped every time the scene comes on, the Marines are dying left and right, and Ripley takes charge and drives the APC through the wall, and this comes on a great film moment. The other one is Bishop's Countdown, which was so great it became a commonly used trailer music track for a few years after the movie. The rest of the score is great too. It really sets the right creepy, disturbing atmosphere the film needs. Number two, you know, just yeah. just real quick, if I may, that description kind of makes me want to go back and watch Aliens again. I have never seen Aliens, actually. I've me neither. I've only I've, seen I've, Alien. I've watched I've watched the quadrilogy before on a really slow Saturday, and then I've seen Prometheus and uh, Covenant in the theaters. But it's been probably a year or two since I've seen any of them, so I kind of want to go back and at least watch the first two of the quadrilogy and then go back and watch uh, Prometheus and Covenant again. Uh-huh, but yeah. 
yeah, like my my reasons have just increased exponentially now because I I've all but forgotten Bishop's Countdown and Ripley's Rescue was more of a visual element for me. I need to go back and enjoy the the auditory element as well. Yeah, yep. I would love to watch Aliens for the first time. I hear it's the better of the two, the Alien and Aliens. You uh, know what we need to do? We just need to have like a watch party some night where we're all watching them together. I would be down. That would be fun. Yep. Especially since Ben isn't a fan of horror. Like getting getting Ben to watch a horror film and like hear his reactions be like, oh god. Yeah. <laughs> like, see, that would be one. See, I don't want to watch a film like that by myself. I would be totally cool with watching it with other people. Yeah, uh, that's fair. That's yeah. very fair. Because I am a wuss. <laughs> I am a big baby, scared of being alone in the dark. No, me too. And against aliens. And the worst part, the the great movie ride at Disney. May it rest in peace. The worst part of that ride for me is when the alien comes out of the out of the ceiling um, and tries <laughs> to attack you. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I bet you weren't too thrilled with the T-Rex that jumped out at us on the Jurassic Park raft ride either, were you? <laughs> um, Not too. I honestly had a phobia of dinosaurs <laughs> oh. for a while. They just bothered me. I don't know. I guess it was just scar- just emotional scars from Jurassic <laughs> Park 3. Um, Ugh, but, yeah, yeah thankfully I'm over that. Thankfully, I'm over it. That and that stupid cell phone music. Like, <laughs> like I was, I was for 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 a couple of years, I was simultaneously annoyed and intimidated by that tone. Yeah, totally understand. Yep. Okay, we're getting derailed. Back to number two on Robin's list. Ah, yes, number two is uh, Blade Runner by Vangelis. I think that's how you say that. This is actually one I could hum more than one theme from. Both the love theme and the end credits theme are amazing, as is the rest of the score, probably the most beautiful film score ever and a big part of what makes the film so great. Only complaint I have is how they added clips of Deckard speaking over the music on some tracks on the soundtrack. I don't understand why they did that. Interesting. I think I've only seen half of Blade Runner, to be honest, but I would like to watch the entire thing. Um, not because oh. I was bored, just because I think I had to do something, and I just haven't guys. ever rewatched it. Ah, uh, guys, we need to live in the same town, damn it. I know. I would love that. Uh, real quick, number one, Star Wars. Any, or all slash any of them. This one's a no-brainer. There are too many memorable themes to count. And uh, they have a message at the top that said, this one was difficult because aside from Star Wars, I had trouble coming up with any score from which I could hum more than one theme. So instead decided to go for scores that I feel are unique and do a good job of setting the mood and atmosphere for their respective films. Star Wars. Why would you put Star Wars at the top of your list? Like, come on. I mean, that's so cliche. Hot take. Star Wars score. Not that good. Just kidding. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Nobody likes Star Wars. Just kidding. Nobody likes Star Wars anymore. Come on. It sucks. Star now. Trek is better than Star Wars, okay? Oh, the Star Trek. Actually, the J.J. Abrams. Specifically, the Into Darkness theme. So good. I love it. Giacchino is a mix master when it comes to the orchestral interpretations of classics like Spider Man, Star Trek. And then was able to take Star Wars stuff and make it his own as well. Yep. He's, he's really kind of underrated as a composer. Just putting that out there. Surprisingly so. He's done so many good scores. Yep. And w- who knows? We may end up getting to talk about a few more of those as the night goes on. 
uh-huh. one more uh, peacekeeper that we've got sent us a list here on channel1138.com just a few moments ago. Uh, had to clarify because um, there's probably about 15 films included here in this list of five. <laughs> Maybe closer to 20, depending on how you count it. But that's okay. We'll we'll still have fun with it. Uh, our friend George Rivera, a very loyal listener here on the, our live episodes, sent us this list. He's got Star Wars at number one, and he says all film scores. So that's what ten movies right there. Eleven if you count the if you include the Clone Wars. Uh, like twelve or thirteen if you include the Ewok movies. You know, fourteen if you include a holiday special. Jeez. Like, you know, you can go in a long ways. At number two, Indiana Jones. Again, all film scores. That's four movies right there. So we're up to eighteen now. <laughs> um, the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit scores. Now Howard Shore does do an awesome job with these films. But that's oh, yeah. another six. That's another six movies. So what are we up to now? Twenty four. Yep. The Nolan Batman trilogy scores. That's twenty seven. And then at number five, Blade Runner, which makes twenty eight, and Aliens. Not just the Alien franchise. Aliens, like what Robin just listed. Right. Blade Runner and Aliens scores. So that's twenty nine movies in a list of top five. That's probably the most efficient top five list I've ever seen, George. Bravo. Yep. Bravo indeed. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a great list. Though. Can't argue great with list. it. Can't no. argue with it. No, you can't. Can, uh, no, you cannot. Can, can I use stuff like that, or do I have to pick individual movies? No, you have to go by the rules. <laughs> no, our, our, our listeners don't go by the rules, but we do. Yep. Well, don't trigger me again on those rules now. Don't <laughs> them, do it. Them damn rules, Ben. Look, I'll give a pass to George, but you are not going to trample on him. You shall not. Okay, whatever. Wow. Well, we've got a classic segment ooh, up next, do we ooh, not? Ooh, yes, we do. We do. And uh, hold on, I gotta get it up. Uh, there it is. <laughs> there it is. I got. I got it. I got it. I got it. Ladies and gents, it's time for one of our favorite segments here on our top five specials. Our good friend Steven sent us a list of five favorite film scores. So without further ado, it's time for Schindler's List. I'm such a dork. I don't care. Uh, Steven says, I'm omitting Star Wars this time since I used a bit for the John Williams episode, so here's what I'm feeling right now. Now, that's a cool thought. Just take the stuff that you're kind of vibing off of right now. Not necessarily, you know, your top five of all time, but just the five that you're really into right now. That's mm-hmm. a that's a really cool take, Steven. That's what I've always said. Like, I feel like my lists are always for right now. Tomorrow, you ask me again, I think of something new, it could change. But for right now, this is just your list. It's not, it doesn't have to be for all time, it's just for tonight. Yeah. Quasi-definitive, quasi but uh, open to, or, or subject to change, I suppose. Mm-hmm. At That's number definitely. five, uh, Stephen lists The Dark Crystal. At number four, Dark Phoenix. Two darks. At, yeah, it's, it's really dark in this, in this list. This list is really dark. <laughs> <laughs> I cracked myself up. <laughs> at number three, Blade Runner, which is set pretty much in the dark. Um, uh-huh. At 
At number two, The Lord of the Rings, 1978, which was the dark age of film. Um, and at <laughs> number one, The Lord of the Rings film trilogy. He says, Tolkien viewed the story as one book, and these films were filmed together. So I'm putting all of it as my number one. Well, damn, I can't argue with that logic, Stephen. Yep, same. Uh, I yeah. need to go watch the 1978 Lord of the Rings, just like I need to go play the 2002 Harry Potter PS1 video game. Like I feel like those are on a on a similar playing field. You've you've got to try them just because they're the stuff of legend. Yep, yep. But uh, before I do that, I need to actually go watch the uh, extended editions that I've got on Blu-ray that I still have yet to watch. <laughs> I have owned those Blu-rays for over a year and still have not gotten around to watching them. I just don't have 12 hours in a day to commit like that anymore. <laughs> yep, neither do I. It's it's a hard commitment, man. Unless really I want to like stay up all night, just start at like 8 p.m., go till 8 a.m., and then just go to work the next day. I don't know what my options are, but I'll figure it out, I guess. Do not recommend. Do not. No. Do, do not do that. <laughs> Any, yeah. Anything that requires you to stay up all night and then go to work after that? No. No. Please. <laughs> and, I mean, that's fair. Now, here's here's an interesting thing. I saw Dark Phoenix in the theaters, and I don't really remember a whole lot that stands out about uh, the Dark Phoenix film score. I, I'm trying really, really hard to remember anything that, that would be like that, but I guess something stood out to Steven more than it stood out to me. Uh, I feel like, for me, just first watch, whether it be Star Wars or anything, I don't, I don't notice the film score until, like, the second time around. Yeah. I'm so focused on the story and what's going on that I really, like, it, it takes the second or third time to, like, okay, now I'm starting to hear it. So, I don't know. I don't know how many times Steven saw Dark Phoenix, or maybe he's just... He's more observant than I am that he can really focus on it. Or maybe the movie's just so bad that that's the only thing that was <laughs> it was worth I mean, paying it, attention it to. Wasn't, it wasn't terrible, but I will say that the company that I had was better than the movie. Um, I I went, no, it wasn't like that. Oh. I watched it I watched it with Armando. Get your head out of the gutter. Oh, well, yeah. Mondo totally can story. Mondo can make any movie going experience enjoyable. <laughs> this is true. Like literally, I have not experienced anything. This You yet. could go watch Zombies with Mondo, and he would know how to make it fun. Jeez. <laughs> oh, on 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 a on another note, just really fast, have either of you seen the final trailer for the Netflix series Dark Crystal? I think I saw it once. I've seen snippets. That, that's all. That's all I really needed to be intrigued. Yeah. Was was just watching it once. I don't really know the story of Dark Crystal that well, but I do know that the the Jim Henson imprint with the puppet work is very very prevalent, and the visuals surrounding those characters are also very stellar. And so, even if I don't quite know what's going on in the story 100%, I feel like I'll still be captivated enough to try it and keep watching it, so I don't know. I I, I don't feel like I'm going to be keeping my Netflix subscription, but I might watch it on somebody else's Netflix. I I agree. It looks, like, great. It looks, I mean, 
combining like puppets with like you know world class animation stuff like that CGI it looked great, but I have always just been creeped out by the whole puppet thing, and I know that's part of it. If you can get it, that's fine, but not for me, man. I've I've always enjoyed puppets just for the realism, you know, like Yoda in Star Wars is a great example. I just I appreciate it. Yeah, I can get behind like the Muppets or Yoda or whatever, but like the Dark Crystal stuff is like that, that's weird. They're kind of supposed to they're kind of supposed to be humans, but they're not. They're kind of off-putting. I just I can't. It's like CG humans. It's yeah. just, I can't really See, that get was totally my problem. It. That that was my biggest gripe with Avatar. Was they're supposed to be human ish and they're like humanoid, but oh, they're the James not. Cameron one, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not the Last Airbender. Okay, no, no, no. <laughs> Last Airbender is fantastic. I have. I'm showing my wife the Last Airbender right now. We're watching like an episode or two every night, and man, that Blu-ray set is one of the best things I've ever invested in because that show is damn awesome. It is. Uh, it's yeah, on it my great. list. It's on my list of things to purchase. I'll put it that way. Uh, my my list continues to grow, and my available space continues to shrink. I'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we've got a we've got a few Facebook submissions here that yes, we, we should do. probably yes, get we into. Do. But uh, one one more quick thank you for Shinder's list. I always bookend his submissions with that music. I can't help. I know. Myself. I for, I just forgot we were in Schindler's list. Still, <laughs> yes, I was talking. I was talking about Dark Crystal, which was number five on his list. So, yes, that, <sighs> that is it. And now, and good. now we move along. Actually, a friend of mine, a friend of mine, Ben Anderson, sent in a list, which is cool. Cool, cool. Yeah, very cool. We got uh, Ben says. I guess in no particular order. Um, the Dark Knight Rises, Tim Burton's Batman, Jaws. The Empire Strikes Back, and a Clockwork Orange. Nice, nice. Have not seen Clockwork Orange. I have seen all of the other films. I was wondering when Tim Burton's Batman was going to be put in there because it is actually deceptively awesome and just missed out on my top five list. Dun, 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 da, 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 da. So good. I mean, that whole movie is so good. I want to go back and watch that movie now. Heck yeah. If if not for anything else, for uh, Billy D. Williams as Harvey Dent. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wish I could have... I wish we could have seen him turn into Two-Face, uh, man. I, I would have loved to have seen that. Like, they were setting it up for that and then never followed through. I was so disappointed. Yep. Um, the next list we have here is Ryan Meyer... And I don't think this is in any particular order either, but we'll read it from the top. Um, got the Indiana Jones theme. Um, oh, I guess it isn't in order. Uh, Indiana Jones theme. You've got the Star Wars theme at number four. Number three, the Jaws theme. Number two, Army of Darkness main title theme. Um, that is in the uh, Evil Dead trilogy. And then we've got Tim Burton's Batman at number one. There's another Tim Burton's Batman. Nice. Back to back. Yeah, you know. uh, that, that placement on the list was purely coincidental. <laughs> right. But, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe there was a little confusion as far as, like, total film scores or just particular titles that you enjoyed. But here's the thing. Sometimes one title 
can help make the entire soundtrack. Oh, yeah. It really can. Like, if you don't have a really solid main theme, then it's hard to get invested in whatever else you're listening to. Like, that Star Wars main theme that you hear as the as the as the opening credits are rolling, you know, the, the what is it called? I forgot what it's called. Cause we go Iris out at the end of the movie and it's the opening crawl. Yeah. Right. Yeah. How did I, how did I forget that? <laughs> how did I forget that? If you don't have the opening crawl music, the main theme during the opening crawl, then you're just really not as invested in the rest of the music that is to follow. And I feel like that's part of what hurt Giacchino's score for Rogue One because he's got a really solid film score there. But because he didn't have an opening theme to play off of, he kind of went in cold. And that's that's difficult to recover from. Yeah, Giacchino, I mean, he did wonders with that, though. If you think about, like, he had a lot of, like, you're dealing with a lot of similar elements, like the Rebels, the Imperials, stuff like that, and... He still didn't just use those classic themes, like the Force theme, like the Rebel Fanfare, like the Imperial March. He created his own themes. Krennic has a theme. There's another Imperial theme. There's Jin's theme. There's That soundtrack is one of the best we've gotten in recent years. Probably one of the best soundtracks in Star Wars, in my opinion. Might not be the last time that we hear from uh, Rogue One. I wasn't trying to go like too much off the rails there but eh, whatever happens happens and i'm i'm sure giacchino will get at least one more mention tonight one more maybe yeah that's entirely possible one possibly two three who who knows <laughs> um on to christian bixby's list this was kind of a late edition but i was able to find it right before we started the show Honorable mentions include the 1954 godzilla tron legacy beetlejuice mib Wizard of Oz, E.T., Social Network, and The Godfather. There's a lot of great ones in that set there. Yeah. Wow, that, that in and of itself is like a really great list. But the top five for Christian is as follows. At number five, Psycho. Yep, 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 yep. Number four, Back to the Future. Number three, Jaws. Number two, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, Christian. Philosopher's not sorcerers. Oh, don't be like that. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone and Star Wars A New Hope. Christian, that's a great list, but learn how to spell philosophers correctly. <laughs> this is Merica, all right? It's Sorcerer's Stone here. Merica. 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 <laughs> uh, okay, so I really I really don't know how to pronounce this next name because I feel like it's one of those things where somebody split up their first name so that they wouldn't have to reveal their last name. Right. Have, you, have, you ever, have you ever seen people do that where it's like first name Ben, last name Jammin or something like that? You mean like me because my first name is Benjamin Hart. Benjamin Hart. You don't know, you, you don't know my last name. I'm oh. just putting it that way. Oh, oh, I see how it is. Okay. Uh, well, that, that's Ben a, with no heart. <laughs> oh, jeez. So I feel like this <sighs> so, person's name might be Desiree. Or it really is Des Ire. I, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. It's D-E-S-I-R-E. Desire? D- Desire. We're just going to go with Desire. That's, Desire. That's, that, that, that's obviously what they want to be known by, and you're perfectly willing to you know, hide your identity on the internet. So that, is do your, that. And that is you your have, prerogative. You have every reason to do so because there's a lot of crazy people on the internet. So do you do like, you. Like but, me. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly like you. Um, number one or number five, I don't know. He says glory. I don't know if it's he or she. I'm saying he. Um, glory, Star Wars, Gone with the Wind. There you go. Indiana Jones and Grease. You're the one that I want. Uh, uh, Good choices. Uh, you're the one that I want. Uh, uh, uh. You know, I'd almost forgotten Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind has so many uh, big elements to it that make it so groundbreaking. But one that you don't always make note of very often, at least not as often as I feel like needs to happen, is making mention of the film score. That's uh Yeah. It's a it's a big one. It's a big one. It's been so long since I've seen that movie. So long. I would actually probably get something out of it as an adult. I remember being forced to watch it as a kid and just being bored. Oh, you mean oh no, that's not like my experience recently. Cause I wasn't I wasn't bored with this movie that my family made me watch. I was you were just horrified. I was disturbed. I was, I was horrified. I mean, there's no there's no nudity in uh, Gone with the Wind that I can remember. Yeah, yeah. My movie was basically softcore porn. It happens. It, was, it happens. And it was my parents that showed it to me. It must be a good influence on you, not the other way uh, around. Jeez. Oh well. Uh, on to Gabe Rodriguez's list. Another friend of mine who sent in a top five to my personal page. Uh, I'm just gonna go from top to bottom. Uh, at the top of the list, we've got Interstellar, and then The Lion King, Sucker Punch, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, and then rounding out the top five is Princess Mononoke. Or is it Mononoke? Mononoke. I don't know. Mononoke. See, Gabe is one of those people that I know who comes up with really, really creative lists and really, really creative conversation pieces. Because he just delves into things that sometimes I wouldn't even think of. Like, I would never think of Sucker Punch having a great film score. That's that's just, yeah. that, that, that's not, that's, that, those two don't equate in my mind. Same, same with Princess Mononoke, or Mononoke. And you can have, like, unpopular films, not just, like, ones we've never heard of, but, like, films that people don't like but at the same time have really strong scores. A lot of people don't like the Star Wars prequels, but they all agree that the scores are amazing. So, you know, that's that's just the way it is with these. The music is kind of separate from the films in a lot of, in a lot of cases. It can be, but then there are other times where the, the music kind of makes the film, where if the music isn't as good, the film isn't as good. Star Wars, any Star Wars film, especially the first Star Wars film, they wouldn't have been as successful if it hadn't been for John Williams' music. Like, they would not be as nearly as good because the music really holds us all together. You'll get no dispute from me, my friend. No. No. All right. So we've got up next Andrea L. Means, who says, Harry Potter, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Jurassic Park, Oklahoma, and Star Wars. I, I like the variety there. Everything from you know something more recent like Harry Potter to something a little bit older and and more like a musical in Oklahoma, and then yeah. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. You must use the force. So good, so really good. You know what? I think one of these days we need to get uh, the three of us on onto like a like maybe maybe something like this. And try and do 
like our own Star Wars acapella. It would be amazing and probably awful, but amazing too. It would be like a too. really great memory for one thing. I don't know where Jake ran off to. He told us BRB like 20 minutes ago and it's been like. Uh, he's fine. Let him have it. He, well, but We got this. Now, now we're going to elect him for all of the terrible stuff. Like, hey, <laughs> hey Jake, you, you've, been, you've been elected the guy to do all of the, uh, all of the soundbite inclusions. You've you've been elected to do all the splicing for the for the post work. Hey Jake, would you like to edit this entire episode? <laughs> uh, he did. I believe I heard a yes. If, yeah. If, if there's hey 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 Jake, shut up if you want to do this job. Okay, he wants to do it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. We just figured it out. We're just putting everything on him. Okay. Hey Jake, <laughs> edit this podcast. No, it's getting late, guys. No, I thought that was funny. <laughs> I guess not. it was. It was pretty funny. It was amusing. I guess whatever. Uh, on oh, to Andy Croft's list, which is actually a, a pretty solid list. I, I look at these and I'm going, "Wow, I never would have thought of that," but it makes sense. The Rock with Nicolas Cage. You ever seen The Rock? Oh yeah that's yeah. a that's actually a hella good movie i watched it on cable probably like 10 years ago and i still remember it like that's that's how much it stood out to me uh next on andy's list is gladiator then we've got the phantom menace thor ragnarok and rounding it out with harry potter so do you feel like that 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 listing of thor potentially has to do with the immigrant song or do you feel like thor actually has like a really decent film score, like just the orchestral that's going on behind it. I have a feeling it's because of the immigrant song, but at the same time, it could be. I can't, off the top of my head, think of the Thor theme or the Thor Ragnarok theme, but I know there was some good orchestral music. Just, just the same with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. There's some, you know, everyone knows the cla- kind of classic tunes. But also the, the orchestral soundtrack is great. Like, it's fantastic on its own. So, and you never know, you know, some people get certain things out of certain other things. So, yeah. It's, it's entirely possible. I'm not here to judge. I'm just here to read. So, you know, <laughs> thank you, Andy, for sending us that list. Uh, it's very appreciated. We got a total of, I want to say, 23 lists sent in tonight, which is... Uh, a bit higher than I even expected us to get, so that's that's yeah. real. That's really cool. Most impressive. Um, up next, we've got uh, Jason Ward. I'm assuming not the Jason Ward from MakingStarWars.net. The Jason um, Ward. <laughs> a Jason Ward. Um, he says Wizard I, of Oz. I kind of want to find so- out now. I'm pretty sure it's not him. I'm pretty sure it's not him. I'm pretty sure it's another one. That's not a. There, there's other ones out there. As we know, there's you know, there's other Ben Hart's out there. You know, it happens. Um, there's other Zach. There's other Zach Arnold's out there that are like really into mustaches, or they're convicts or something. I don't know. Like, oh my! I I, oh I, dear. I I looked up my namesake one time, and I was not impressed. Yeah, that's uh, that can be a thing. Yeah, googling your name with uh, yeah, just it gets messy. Anyway, Wizard of Oz, Sound of Music. 
Star Wars, or any John Williams. Wow, Jason, you just opened up Pandora's box there. Right? Um, um, Lion King, and he says, and I quote, and let's not forget Annie. I'm not sure which Annie he's referring to because I know there's a couple different versions. I'm assuming the original version, and yeah, rightfully so. Annie's a good one. Uh, it's very true. That is that is very true. Uh I haven't seen the new one. I, I can't really say for sure about the... That's the one with Jamie Foxx in it, right? Yeah, Jamie Foxx and other people that I can't remember are in it. Well, it doesn't look like it's the Jason Ward because this fellow lives in Ohio. Yes. Aww. Yes, I just, I just stalked you. And it's a good thing I did, too, because I just found a new top five that was submitted three minutes ago. Oh, three minutes ago from Benjamin Griffin, who says uh, his top five favorite film scores are Rocky, Superman, Empire Strikes Back, The Pink Panther, and Gone with the Wind. A lot of Gone with the Wind tonight. There's a lot more Gone with the Wind than I was expecting. And that's the first mention of The Pink Panther, which when I was looking up like top film scores of the century or something like that, Pink Panther showed up in a lot of those articles but didn't get a whole lot of love tonight. So I'm glad that it got at least one mention. Cool beans. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, beans, up beans, next. The musical we... fruit. The more you eat beans, the more you toot. Wow, okay. We, we did that. that. That's a thing that happened. <laughs> up next, we've got Elizabeth Gunth, Guenther. I'm going to say Gunther. Gunther. Uh, that's a cool name, actually. Um, Gone with the Wind, Star Wars, The Sound of Music, Music Man, and Billy the Kid. Seventy-six trombones led the big parade. I think I think I think one of my favorite pieces from the Music Man is isn't actually seventy-six trombones. It's actually uh, you got trouble because he ba- oh, he basically really? spins like this big lie about how much trouble the the pool hall is going to bring to the town and he's like you got trouble with a capital T and that rhymes with P and that stands for pool and i just can't help thinking about how fake news keeps spinning stuff out of proportion the way he kind of did with that announcement of the pool hall he's like it's <laughs> like oh okay yeah that's that's a thing but that's a great list, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for sending it in. On to another Facebook submission, one Andrew McDonald. I uh, don't think it's five. I think it's actually four, which is okay because, I mean, maybe four is all you could come up with. Uh, Paradise Road, Star Wars, Gone with the Wind, and The Wiz. Okay, damn it. I need to go watch Gone with the Wind now. Like, why are so many people into the the soundtrack, the, the film score for Gone with the Wind? I, I don't. I- I don't remember it being that epic before. Yeah, I don't either. But like that was that was the one of the biggest movies back in the day. Like huge. I mean, massive. And it came out was I think it came out at the same year and was directed by the same person that did The Wizard of Oz. Okay. What's interesting here Mm. what's interesting here is I don't know Andrew, but I'm gonna willing to guess that the Wiz is actually supposed to be the Wizard of Oz. And maybe there's another entry there that he didn't get to because he hit enter too early. 
<laughs> and it got cut off. Maybe, but I, I think I think The Wiz is like an actual movie, though. I think it's like a musical. Really? I'm going to look this up. I'm, I'm going to take a look. The, the Wiz. The Wiz is a film, a 78 American musical adventure uh, produced by Universal Pictures. Okay, so it's based on The Wizard of Oz. I get it. Yes. When maybe Harlem, this is. Maybe that's what he meant. When Harlem school teacher Dorothy, played by Diana Ross, tries to save her dog from a storm, she's miraculously whisked away to an urban fantasy land called Oz. After accidentally killing the Wicked Witch of the East upon her arrival, Dorothy is told about The Wiz, played by Richard Pryor, a wizard who can help her get back to Manhattan. Oh my god, so basically, it's the Wizard of Oz, but with an all-black cast. Basically, she's joined by the it's... Scarecrow, played by Michael Jackson! <laughs> How have I never heard of this? The Tin Man, played by Nipsey Russell, and the Cowardly Lion, played by Ted Ross. Whoa, holy crap. I I need to see this film now. That's amazing. I've never heard of this. I, I I have heard of it. it. It's kind of along a similar vein of like Wicked for like my my friends that are really into uh, into drama and stuff. They'll they'll do a production of The Wiz oftentimes before they'll do a production of The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, yeah, I, and I'm glad to see that Michael Jackson at least made it into one movie role because if you know that history, you know he tried to be in everything. He tried <laughs> to be Spider Man. He wanted to be Jar Jar in Star Wars. He like he was petitioning all over the place he, in his heyday. He wanted to be in Men in Black. Yeah, he was actually. He ended up having a cameo. He had a cameo in Men in Black, but he wanted to like be a member of the Men in Black, and that just didn't happen. <laughs> oh, it was guy. so funny! It was so funny. Uh, wow. Let me see. Wizard of Oz came out in '39. I'm trying to see. Uh, director Victor Fleming. Uh, director of Gone with the Wind, Victor Fleming. How interesting. Music composed yeah. by Max Steiner for Gone with the Wind. Uh, Max Steiner, he's a big one. Harold Arlen and Herbert Stothart did the music for The Wizard of Oz. Just a couple little fun facts for y'all before we get back to the fun. Uh, I think Milan Rokach is the next list we've got on the list. The next top five. Yeah, so, Jake, are you with us? I am. I think yeah. I've got the list right here. Um, Number five, we've got Star Wars. Number four, Jaws. Number three, Indiana Jones. Uh, they just have written indie, though, so it could just be a completely different film franchise. I've never it heard could of be, it. It could be an indie film. Oh, they went to an indie. One. They went to an indie film festival and just liked everything they heard there. Wow. Oh, dang. Number two is Planet of the Apes, and uh, number one is Close Encounters of the Third Kind. My only question is, is your Planet of the Apes... Yes, yes, that's a good. Yep, yep, that's from uh, Close Encounters. Um, is your Planet of the Apes the original one or the Tim Burton one? Because there's a big difference there. Or or the newer films. Yeah, true. Well, but well, but those those actually say things like Rise of Dawn of yeah. War for the Planet of the Apes. There's actually like a 2001 or 2002 reboot with Tim Burton starring Mark Wahlberg that's just called Planet of the Apes. I feel like they're talking about the original. Yeah. It kind of that that score is so iconic and different. Like we talked about it back. We talked about Planet of the Apes. Like that mm -hmm. score is it's really like interesting. I'm not saying it's one of my favorites, but like 
it's very different for its time. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know who was the composer for Planet of the Apes? I forget. One Mr. Jerry Goldsmith, the composer for most of the Star Trek themes. Oh, uh, that makes sense. There you go. A giant in the sci-fi composing world. Well, and here's another one of those weird tidbits that, like, Star Trek, it, like, sometimes has influences on Star Wars and vice versa. Uh, Goldsmith did the score for Planet of the Apes. I want to say, shoot, when did Planet of the Apes come out? Uh, Planet of the Apes was in 74? No, that's the TV series. I think it was 60-something. 68. The movie, movie, the movie came out in 68. They did a series in the 70s. Uh, so he did the film score for this in 68. Star Wars came out in 77. If you watch the astronauts go through the desert before reaching the Oasis in Planet of the Apes, they use a very similar drum sequence to what you hear for the Tusken Raiders on Tatooine in A New Hope. Yeah. Yes. And or should I say that John Williams used a very right, similar right. to that because exactly much for it. But I mean, there's a lot of if you listen to cheap plug to David W. Collins in the soundtrack show, he goes through like all the influences on Star Wars and Planet of the Apes is one of them. Yep. 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 That That's one that I figured out. Dadgummit. I didn't even need the soundtrack show to help me figure that one out. You a big boy. You can figure out your own film influences. Uh, Jake, what have we got on Chris's list? On Chris's list, we have... Chris O'Connell, by the way, not Chris Sequel. Right, right, right. Gotta get your Chris's right. Uh, Number five, you've got Halloween, 1978. Number four, Wonder Woman. Uh, I believe that's the 2017 one. Um, Number three, Batman, 1989. Uh, Number two, Star Wars. And number one, Superman the Movie. Yeah, good list. Another one where Superman makes the top of the list. I really wasn't expecting that, but Chris and Kenny seem to be on fairly similar wavelengths. Mm-hmm. Nice. That was very, very nice. That was very cool. So um, I'm going to read this next one because it's, kind of, it's kind of personal. Um, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that uh, my brother submitted his first ever top five list to the podcast. Out of all the top five episodes we've done, uh, the last time was his first time. And now that we have started discussing our own top fives in person, like that's a thing that we do. When I pick him up from work and we're driving home, we'll discuss things like top five ice creams, top five vacations that we've went on. Uh, top five, today's top five was top five drive-through chicken places. <laughs> nice. Nice. And those things like Chicken Express, Wendy's, KFC, places like that. Um, but he actually sent me a list of top five film scores and, uh, his, his is actually a really interesting list. It, it, some of them were to be expected, some of them not to be expected. Um, at the top of his list, he's got the Lord of the Rings film score and he's got the Indiana Jones film score, Mm -hmm. then, uh, Jurassic Park, then the Hobbit. And then rounding out the top five is Jumanji. Welcome to the jungle. I, you know, I really hadn't thought about it all that much, but they've actually got some pretty cool jungle themes that play throughout the, the early parts of their adventures in the jungle. So that's, that's actually pretty cool. And then you can tell that um, this, this flair for broadcast is not limited to one member of the family. 
he included this tidbit in the message, the text that he sent to me. He goes, and here you go, folks, from the Intergalactic Peace Coalition, your top five film scores. This is Zach's brother, J-Man, coming to you live on IPC, signing off. Nice, nice. He's a natural. He's a natural. <laughs> like, like it just it just comes so, so naturally. Like, he, he was interviewed by the local news when he turned 18 for his work that he did at the local zoo. I've done podcasting for five years. My dad is a uh, public address announcer for, like, high school sports in the area. Like, being in front of cameras and being in front of microphones, I guess, just comes naturally to the Arnold men. I don't know how else to explain it. <laughs> Nice. Yep. Runs in the family. Gotta love it. I suppose so. One, All right, one more so... Facebook submission, then we get to take a break. Yo, so we got Shelby Suave. 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 I don't know how to pronounce the, you're, you're putting the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I can't talk tonight, obviously. Suave. Um, There's an emphasis on that E at the end. It's Suave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta gotta get the, gotta get it right. And or I it's Suave, it right. and you, we're just totally messing it up. I'm sorry, Shelby. We've turned this into a line. See, I said Shelby, not Shelby, as I should say. I, Suave. That's, see, that's just me. That's just me. It's just Shelby. Me. And Shelby, it's Suave. It's she'll be, as in she'll be suave. <laughs> she's she's now turned the episode off. She's turned it off. Like these guys are idiots. They can't even pronounce my name. Just read my list, damn it. <laughs> At number five, she's got Captain America. Number four, Iron Man. Number three, Avengers. Very MCU heavy so far. Number two, Tombstone. And number one, Star Wars. Nice. The Wars and the Stars. Uh, at least... Okay, so... Uh, do we ever really determine... Uh, whose fault it was for the the Star Wars to ever break out? Was it the Empire's fault for conquering the galaxy, or was it the Rebellion's fault for starting the war? It was Qui Gon's fault. Mm-hmm. Qui Gon, he's like, oh hey, I'm you know I'm just gonna go mess up this trade dispute. You know I'm gonna poke my nose in where I shouldn't be, and he he started it. He it's it's all his fault. It's all on him. That's when so, short negotiations turns into nine movies. 11 movies. yeah yeah it's kind of, it's kind of ironic because their actual negotiations were short but the repercussions were very long-lasting mm-hmm. yep so, so uh, yeah so qui-gon is the fault in our stars <laughs> yeah totally not oh the gosh. the nemodians or, or anything like that yeah ah. yeah totally works uh at least jake got the joke i got it <laughs> yeah it went woo, right over my head <laughs> Are you, are you uh, saying okay. Liam Neeson should have starred in the Fault in Our Stars movie? Uh, maybe. Liam Neeson could pretty much star in anything and I'd watch it. Honestly, yes. Okay, before we go on a Liam Neeson tangent, let's take a commercial break, do some program identification, and hear from some of our pals and uh, and patrons and sponsors and all that good stuff. We'll be back to hear the uh, Twitter lists that were submitted. There were a couple of them. And then we're going to read our lists as we round out the discussions of top five film scores here on the IPC podcast. Don't go away.
Hey, IPC listeners, this is Joey Mays, intergalactic patron and promoter of my family business, Mays Sandwich Shop. We are proud to be supporting IPC and the endeavors of young, talented individuals like Zach, Ben, and Jake. Should you ever find yourself in the area of Reading, Pennsylvania, be sure to stop by Mays Sandwich Shop. Started by my grandfather in 1947, currently owned by my father and operated by my sister and me, May's Sandwich Shop has been serving delicious food to the greater Westlawn area for over 70 years. If you ever do visit, be sure to tell them IPC sent you. are back with more discussion of our top five film scores lists here on the IPC podcast. We're going to head to the Twitterverse now, guys. And uh, if you don't mind taking point on this, I'm going to wrap up my top five list because believe it or not, we've made it this far into the show and I still haven't finished up my five yet. Wow. I'll take the first one if you want to take the second one. Sure thing. So first up from Twitter, we have our good friend Igor, the hero of Tython. I can't, I never get tired of saying that. He's at the Ron Shan three four one. He says number five, Bill Conti, Rocky. Number four, Ennio Marconi. Sorry, I've I've pronounced that name before. I just didn't recognize it. Ennio Marconi, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Three, Danny Elfman. Batman. Number two, John Williams, Indiana Jones, and The Last Crusade. I like that mm-hmm. he specified Last Crusade, and yes, that's a really good score. Um, number one, John Williams, Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. I love that he included the composers in there. Great, because we're, you know, that's that's kind of people that actually made the music. It's nice to give them a shout out. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, Rocky actually really does have a great score. It's often under looked or overlooked or however you want to say that but yeah rocky good choice yeah absolutely um and the last list on the twitter sphere here and from our submissions is from kevin davis who on twitter is at valic tours uh and we're gonna start with his honorable mention which is well there's three of them wrath of khan that's the second star trek film 
The Great Escape and The Wizard of Oz. Uh, Number five is Ben Hur. Ben Hur? I thought Ben Ben was a he. Uh, Ben Hur from 1959, classic film uh, by Miklos Rosa. I think that's how you say that. Number four, The Rocketeer, James Horner. Yeah, and uh, I could be wrong on this, but I, I'm, I don't know if one of you guys can figure out who, who scored the first Captain America film because I know the same director was on it, and I, they have similar Ooh. music, similar music. So, I will Google that. Okay, now. okay. I'd just be curious to know because uh, that would be that would make sense. Uh, number three, The Magnificent Seven from 1960, Elmer Bernstein. Number two, Hook, John Williams, and number one, The Empire Strikes Back, also by John Williams. Good list. And the composer for Captain America: The First Avenger was none other than Alan Silvestri. Really? Okay. Which. I did not realize. That I didn't either. I thought I now. thought he only did the Avengers stuff, but I guess I was wrong. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize he did anything outside of Avengers for MCU. That's 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 great. I mean, that's a great score, and it makes yeah. Sense. It's it's one of the scores from the MCU solo films that I I can remember on a dime. It's it is one of the character themes that you can remember, right? And not every character really has a theme in the MCU. So yeah. it's great that that exists, and thanks to Alan Silvestri, who is a master, one of my favorites. Yeah, for sure. And one fun little tidbit that I notice every time I've watched uh, Avengers Endgame is that in that score, when when Tony hands back the shield to Cap, you get that that theme from the first Captain America in there just for a you second. Do. It's great. You do. I love that. That's a great scene. Oh, man. Ah, well... I think that's our list. I think we did it. Yep. I think that's the end of this, unless we're just missing somebody. And I apologize if we missed anybody. We do our best to try to get everyone. But, uh, yeah, I think we are now ready to move on to our own list. And I actually have... I actually have a five now, plus an honorable mention. So, yay. Mine is still fluctuating so we'll see how it goes off <laughs> i mean i knew what my top three were going to be i had to figure out what the i had about nine that i was choosing from and i was like okay get rid of that okay get rid of that okay is this gonna be a five or is this gonna be an honorable mention like i was literally like jumping stuff around until about 10 seconds ago but i'm gonna, totally I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna I'm gonna stick to my guns now i'm gonna stick to my blasters and uh we're gonna roll with it so um do we do we want to go around and do honorable mentions first uh, or do we want to do like honorable mention plus uh the number five how do we want to do this i don't have any honorable mentions because i had too many honorable mentions i have i have a few i can go ahead and mention them now if you'd like me to sure why not all right, I think. See, I'm still sitting here looking at like, is this is this what I want? Is this is this the thing? Because I don't. If I mention my honorable mentions, they're automatically out. <laughs> I can't <laughs> include them in my five. So I'm really, I'm really stuck here. But I think I think I've got it. I think this is the way it's gonna be. So my number. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Okay, I'm putting numbers on these to make sure I actually have them. <laughs> I have the actually have the right numbers. Okay, I've got I've got five. Yes, I got five. All right. <laughs> Yeah, this is bad. Um, we came prepared, folks. We absolutely are prepared. So my honorable mentions are 
Wonder Woman. That theme, I just butchered it, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Again, as I said earlier, great theme, great orchestral theme. Zach's Back going, the why f- isn't that your number one? I know, I know. You'll understand in a few minutes. Um, Back to the Future. I just talked about Alan Silvestri. The guy's amazing. Um, The Incredibles and Toy Story. Nice. Nice, nice. I'm surprised some of those aren't on your list. Toy Story was in like my top 15. Guardians was in my top 15. Back to the Future I considered, but honestly, I think I enjoy Huey Lewis in the News. That's the power of love more than I enjoy the actual film score. Maybe I'm weird, but I don't know. I don't know. I I love I love that theme, and Huey Lewis is great too. But I love the thing, and I loved in uh, Stranger Things when they included part of Back to the Future theme in that show. You, did you know? Did you catch that in the show? In the show. Really? Okay, this is a bit of a, not really a spoiler. Well, Jake when hasn't they, Jake hasn't watched the show yet. Well, this isn't a spoiler. There's there's a scene where a few characters are in a movie theater watching Back to the Future. Hmm. And it's towards the latter half of the season, and that portion of like that those two scenes are scored with the Alan Silvestri Back to the Future theme. Do you have any batteries, Double A? Why would I have batteries? I always carry batteries. Then what's the problem? I need eight. Eight. Guess we'll have to go to Plan B. Plan B. What's Plan B? Where are they? That's amazing. So, like, I wasn't totally focused in there or anything, but I'm pretty sure that mom was trying to bang her son. Wait, wait, the hot chick was Alex B. Keaton's mom? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. But they're the same age. No, but he went back in time. (laughs) Then why is it called Back to the Future? He has to go back to the future because he's in the past. So the future is actually the present, which is his time. That's awesome. So if you haven't watched it yet, perfect time. Now you can listen for that. Heck yeah. Yeah, now I need to go back and watch it again. Because people have been asking us for a uh, Stranger Things 3 review. And I'm just like, I've watched it. I'm waiting for everybody else to be done with it. I am done. I am done. We're going to get there, though. We're going to get there. I promise. All eyes turn to Jake. What? Mm. What is everybody looking at me for? Hmm. Uh, so oh I, I I eliminated most of my honorable mentions to take it back down to one. Um, but I guess The Incredibles would be an honorable mention. Guardians would be an honorable mention. The big honorable mention that was just barely in my top five right before I like literally just swapped it out a couple of seconds ago. Um, this is one that... Um, that I, I really, really have a lot of appreciation for and a lot of respect um, for this person because they basically took on the challenge of trying their best to emulate John Williams while also putting their own particular spin on a classic franchise. And I just have to give a lot of praise and respect to Michael Giacchino for his work on Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Like, Krennic, yep. Krennic's theme playing uh vader's theme on mustafar the way that he did Jin's theme the music that gets played during the the finale the music that's played softly behind galen urso's monologue like it's just it's beautiful 
It's really, mm. really beautiful. And uh, it's one that I've got on CD and I'm ripping it to my computer so that I can have it, you know, on my phone anytime I want to listen to it. It's just that good that I want to listen to it that much. I heard a lot of people throw that score under the bus when it came out and it really disappointed me because I thought the score was so good and he had such a limited amount of time to do it too I think I forget how long he had like five weeks or something like that I forget but it was an incredibly short amount of time for what he produced you know I I thought the end product felt like he had all the time in the world to make it and that's the mark of a great composer right there when you can you know visualize some good music and put it to paper and uh you know, a lot of people don't realize that there's a ton of people involved in an orchestra and to write music for each one of those is crazy. So you're saying. Oh, no. What did, what did I say? You're saying that he's a composer who kept his composure. Oh, my. Was that worth it, Zach? Was that Just worth it, Just ignore him. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. Well, you have fun over there, Zach. (laughs) That was great. That was freaking hilarious. What are you talking about? Maybe I'll snicker a little bit when I hear this a second time. (laughs) You won't get a laugh out of me, though. Oh, my God. On to our fives, then, gentlemen. All right. Who's going first? What's on second? I don't know who's on third. I'm on fourth. Wait, what? Uh, Where's fourth? I don't (laughs) know. I, don't I call know. that home. I don't know. Uh, ben, why don't you go? You let off with the honorable mentions. We'll circle it back to you. All right. I'll, I'll take it. I can do that. No problem. I just have to actually get my list up here because, yeah, I'm prepared. I'm, I am a professional Be podcaster. Be prepared. I considered that one, too. I That's part of my honorable mention, but no, no, did not make it. I'll tell you what did make it, though. Number five, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's one of the most hummable scores ever. Like mm-hmm. it's one of, uh, behind Star Wars. Like I, I think even more than Star Wars sometimes. Like it's just so iconic, and John Williams just did just knocked it out of the park with that one. And just you know, and there's other things too. There's a lot of great things people don't realize that are in Raiders and the subsequent films. But I'm I picked Raiders because that's where it all originated. And, you know, it's just so, so great. Da, 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 da. It, it, it's you cannot, key, you cannot not get excited listening to that. Yeah, I actually have a uh, single that I downloaded from that score just called The Map Room. And it's, the, you know, when Indy climbs down in disguise and puts the staff raw into the uh the place it's supposed to go and discovers the uh you know secret location of the the arc and that music is just really cool and always stood out to me when i was a kid oh yeah and that's perfect absolutely that's a great one it 
I guess that one is another one that I would consider an honorable mention. I do enjoy that a lot, but I didn't grow up on Indiana Jones. I don't think <gasps> I gasp. I don't think I even saw an indie film until I was like 13 or something like that. Like I was really really late to the party and I just had other things that left impressions on me by that time, I suppose. And then you have my parents who decided it was a good idea to show 6-year-old Jake Temple of Doom. And they say they don't regret it, and I don't regret it either because that movie is freaking awesome. Oh, that man. your your parents are as sadistic as Zach's parents. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Watching uh, the, the uh, whorehouse movie or whatever. Best little whorehouse in Texas. Yeah, yeah. Let's see my show Zach softcore porn. Let's show Jake <laughs> a horror movie. Demonic it's... heart ripping out of Wait. chests. Yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> Um. All right. So I guess I'll uh, I'll give my f- my number five. Absolutely, go for it. All right. So my number five is from a little movie from 1994, directed by surprisingly Roland Emmerich. It's by a guy named David Arnold, who composed this. Maybe of relation to Zach. Who knows? Um. It is the Stargate soundtrack. Stargate is a more recent film that I've seen only within the last like maybe five years or so. Uh, I was a little late to the game on it, but when I watched it, you've got James Spader in there. You've got Kurt Russell. Um, It is a really cool sci-fi movie that kind of combines like archaeology and, you know, everything I, I love about Indiana Jones with like with like portals and like time or not time travel but like faster than light travel or even yeah I guess faster than light travel is the best way to put it but like this ancient gate they find that's actually alien technology and you know it it basically takes you from here to another point in the not even our galaxy just another point in the universe and uh you kind of see how Egyptians got their culture and their look from this other uh, race of, of people on, on another planet. But it, it really cool concept. Um, but, man, if you go on YouTube, and I implore anybody who hasn't seen this movie to do so, look up the Stargate main theme. And it is one of my favorite pieces of music in any movie at all. It just it really captures the feel of the movie. It is adventurous. It puts you right there and makes you excited to see the movie like if i if i'm not feeling like watching any movie let me listen to the stargate theme i will watch that immediately as soon as i get home because it is so good it is so good so if you haven't listened to it check out the stargate main theme it is so good you know that there's like four tv series based on that as well right yeah i'm I'm working my way through sg1 right now 
I started, I watched like the pilot and maybe like two episodes after that. And I don't know what happened. Um, I need, I need to watch that. And I need to watch Babylon five. They're both on Amazon prime. I believe I just haven't been able to sit myself down and get through them. Okay. I will say it is, it's kind of hard for me to get into SG one. Some episodes have been good. Some have been bad. It's kind of hit or miss for me, but the, the movie is really good pretty much the whole way through. You're supposed to be rebooting it now, right? I think so. I'm not sure. From what I've been told, it gets better the deeper into the series you go. And I've actually known that to be true for a lot of sci-fi series. It usually takes about two seasons for them to find their footing. And then once that happens, it really kicks into high gear. So Okay. One uh, one thing I think is hilarious is that is that one of the series in the Stargate show series is stargate atlantis yeah and uh you know who's in that show there's a lot of people in that show you got jewel state from firefly you've got bob picardo from star trek voyager and you got one mr jason momoa yeah well before his aquaman uh days he's in a show about atlantis that is ridiculous how crazy is that i guess he's just got that atlantis look or something i don't know is he from atlantis in the show or what is the deal no, I don't know. That's a good question, but uh, I mean, like in SG One, they have somebody as part of their team that's from a different world, so it's entirely possible. Or maybe the DC casting directors are like, "Well, this guy's been in a show that's called Atlantis. Like, we have to hire him." <laughs> right, right. Oh my god! <laughs> y- you and your meme game. Oh my god! I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Hold on, I got to see this. Oh my god. By the way, people go to the Star Wars Underworld Twitter and Facebook to see what I just did. Because I literally just posted it. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, it'll be a few days old. But uh, yeah, I post. I made a meme because I've been thinking about it all day. I didn't have a chance to. And I'm like, okay, th- these scenes kind of match up. And it's Kylo, <laughs> Kylo Ren as Sony, Rey as Marvel Studios in the throne room scene from Last Jedi. And you have Tom Holland Spider-Man in the middle, and they're fighting over him. Thank you for villainizing Sony like you should have definitely I, done. I actually, oh for a brief second, debated about, oh, okay, who am I going to put on <laughs> which one? I'm like, well, I have to put Marvel Studios in the heroic position. No, oh my goodness. That's so, yeah, that's a thing. That's a thing. I'm hoping it goes viral. I mean, I'll do my part. <laughs> I will, too. Uh, it's already I'll... got a lot of – it's got, like, two seconds. It's like It's been up three minutes – Two retweets, ten likes, one reply. Yeah, okay. Let's do them pretty good. I'm, nice. I'm, I'm happy. Nice. I'm happy. In three minutes, that's better than any of my three-minute posts have ever lasted. <laughs> well, did, did you, same, uh, but you don't, uh, neither one of us have, uh, thir- what is it, uh, 39.5 thousand uh, followers. So, yeah. <laughs> I've got, I've got 39.5 followers. <laughs> Who's that half person? Somebody that's pregnant. <laughs> One and a half Man, people. the baby gets a Twitter account as soon as he's born. <laughs> That's a thing. Dogs and cats have their Twitter accounts. I'm sure babies have Twitter accounts, too. Dominic's Puffer Pig has an Instagram account, all right? Oh so this goodness. is 2019. That's about as crazy um, train as you can get right there. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. All right. Not to get completely, not to get completely derailed, I'm going to list off my number five now for you fellas. Sure. Um, this is the one that I was kind of alternating between uh, Giacchino's Rogue One and then this one. These were flipping back and forth between five and six like all the time. Uh, but I finally decided to land it in the in the five spot. Uh, this is one that I find myself always tapping my foot to it when I hear it on Pandora Shuffle. 
It's one that I kind of dance in my seat to a little bit when I hear it play during the movie. Um, there, there's just so much action and comedy and whimsy to this film, and Hans Zimmer really knocks it out of the park in presenting all of those elements at the appropriate time in musical format. So clocking in at number five for me is Curse of the Black Pearl. Again, I thought about Pirates of the Caribbean, and that is a great score. I, for a second, was very scared you were going to say one of mine, but you didn't, so thank you. Spoiler alert. This is a great choice, though. I I have uh, this soundtrack and listen to it often, and I often imagine when I listen to this, I'm like, if somebody came to me and was like, I'm making a movie about Pirates of the Caribbean, can you come up with a score that's kind of pirate-like or evokes something, you know, pirate-like, seafaring, swashbuckling? And if I presented this to them as my music, I would be extremely proud, and I think they would be extremely proud as well, because this is the perfect pirate music. Oh, it absolutely. is. Like, you, you think you, of pirates, you it redefined, like, pirates and pirate music and what that is like no one can think about that without like thinking of that thing like you go on like random like means of like that if, if there's anything to do with like the ocean like it's it turns into you know pirates of the caribbean music Mm-hmm. absolutely i guess we're on to our number fours then i suppose so you're up is it I'll, i'm up i'm sorry i forgot <laughs> all about that i'm the first one up my apologies so how could you ben my number four, and here's the deal. For me, I was in the same boat with a lot of our audience members in that there's some franchises I just love all the music. And Marvel, specifically MCU Marvel Studios, is one of those. I think they get a bad rap sometimes, but I think there's a lot of great music. Guardians is one of them. You know, Captain America. There's a lot of good ones. And the Avengers theme is one that I would put up high on my list, perhaps at number four, but I'm like, okay, which Avengers film? And I wanted to say the first Avengers just because it's the first film to feature that iconic theme. It's great. But I had to go with, and and I felt like, I don't know, maybe the newness hasn't quite worn off and I still kind of am obsessed with this movie, but I had to say, Avengers Endgame, just for the fact of it's the one Marvel film that I actually own the soundtrack to. I mean, what can you say about Portals? Like, it's an amazing piece of music. And the rest of the score, really, there's a lot of diversity. If you actually listen to the Endgame soundtrack, there's a lot of good stuff in there. There's some Alan Silvestri really pulls no punches and kind of, you know, weaving in a lot of different music, different story. There's kind of some espionage type music with drums and stuff like that. 
really good stuff. And I think it's one of the best, if not the best, soundtrack we've gotten from the MCU thus far and tops my list at number four. Um, yeah, interesting. Not necessarily what I would have gone with just because of how new it is, but I would have gone with maybe like Avengers 1 or something like that personally. I, I, I really liked uh, Infinity War, actually. Because uh, there, yeah. there was there was there was a solid forty five minutes to an hour where we didn't see the first Avenger, and then he shows up coming out of the shadows, and you hear his theme start to play, and then they kick things into high gear, and he ends up, you know, kicking some ass and taking names. When I heard that theme start to swell at that time when he came out of the shadows, I got chills. Mm-hmm. Like when a film score can give you chills like that, but then also like inspire you with awe and wonder as Thor takes on the energy of a star to help forge his new weapon. Like that, that score has a lot of really, really good pieces to it. The music in that entire sequence where you have, they're switching back and forth between the battle of Wakanda and uh, Thor forging his hammer is nothing short of amazing. Like it's just fantastic. Mm-hmm. And so I think, Jake, we got you up next. All right. So for my number four, Ben, I couldn't really keep a straight face when I said that uh, Not that wasn't really what I would go with. Because that's exactly what I went with. Avengers Endgame really? 2019, Alan Silvestri. I have been listening to Portals on loop, man. Ever since this movie came out, I love this soundtrack. It is absolutely the best Avengers soundtrack by far. Not only do you get Portals, which is the most, like, awesome, like, triumphant, here's all our heroes back again score that blends in with the Avengers main theme, but you've got Tony's funeral music, which you hear hints of at the beginning when he's on the ship alone. It is so good, and it is among Alan Silvestri's best work, in my opinion. I cannot believe you faked us out like that. 
Oh my I, god. I couldn't even believe you didn't say anything. I was just like, well, that's not what I would have gone with. Avengers 1 is but No! I was gonna say, like, man, like, way to throw shade at me. <laughs> Jeez, man. I know, it was like borderline <laughs> mean, but I'm like, what can I say that I can just flip around in just a second? But yeah, I totally <laughs> agree, Ben. I love that you love it. I, I, I love that I'm not alone there because I'm like, oh, this is too new. Like, I can't do it. I, like, I literally watched the movie last night. So it's like, it's, it's really hard to, yeah. like, uh, you know, separate, you know, the kind of the newness to wear off. But, yeah, it's it's great. It's so great. Yep, yep. And this is the part where Zach reveals that his is also Avengers 4. <laughs> you wish. <laughs> hey, Omega Dream. Dream on, dream until your dream come true. No, not not happening. Sorry. Uh, as much <laughs> as much as I enjoy the MCU, um, the film scores are not always the first things that I think of, to be honest. And so, I mean, maybe Guardians, like I said, as an honorable mention, but for the most part, the the film scores aren't really the things that I think of. I think it's the soundtracks and the characters and the writing and the action. There's a lot of other stuff that I tend to think of before I think of the film score. So uh, that unfortunately did not make it into my top four. Um, But they are good choices, just not choices that I would make. Um, My number four is actually a return of um, a composer that's already been listed. Um, This is not the last that we had heard of this person, and I doubt that it's going to be the last mention that gets made of the evening uh but my number four is actually um like 10 years old i think it just turned 10 years old 2009 is when this film came out and i still believe it to be this composer's finest work or among this composer's finest work it's part of what helped give him his name and give him work in other places and other franchises that's helped make him popular uh the composer is michael giacchino And the piece that I'm referring to is Disney Pixar's Up. It's, it's sweet, it's tender, it's adventurous, uh, it, it's, it's easy to learn. It's something that I learned, and I don't, I'm not even very musically inclined, but I know where to find certain notes from the up theme on the piano. And I, th- I think of, you know, the, the music that gets played during Carl and Ellie's adventures in their early life, all the way to you know the the upbeat revisions of that as he's trying to save Russell at the end of the film 
like everything about it just kind of goes through Giacchino's score and without it the movie just isn't as good and I absolutely love the the music that plays when he opens up all of the balloons and takes his house far away it's simply whimsical and adventurous and fun and like I said it's part of what got him work on things like Star Trek uh, things like, um, you know, he, he did The Incredibles a couple of years before that. Um, but I really feel like The Incredibles in this film were the ones that helped kind of define his career. And mm. I, I just love everything about Disney Pixar's Up, especially the music. I definitely would have put, like, The Incredibles on my list if I thought about it. Up is so good as well. Michael Giacchino is fantastic. Giacchino is the man. He really is. I know he's the second man, all right? John Williams is the man. Giacchino is right under him. Giacchino is a man. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, it's getting late. Ben, tell us your number three. All right, all right. Well, um, I think, you know, I, I wanted to put, I even thought about putting this one higher, to be honest, because I love it so much. And it had to be on my list, and it's also from Michael Giacchino. Whoa. And so, as I said, Giacchino is going to get a lot of love tonight. And uh, for me, this is one of my favorite scores. He's done a lot of great stuff. As you mentioned, The Incredibles, Up, so much good stuff. But, again, there's three of these things that he's done for Star Trek. And I had to pick the first Star Trek from 2008. It's one of the ones that I keep coming back to as just really just so great. Oh, sorry, 2009. (laughs) Do your research, Benjamin. I get confused. I think it was supposed to come out in 2008. (laughs) It was delayed 2009. Don't don't hate me. But it doesn't change the fact that it's it's incredible, just that whole thing. And and being that he kind of incorporated some of the original stuff and did his own thing with a lot of it, it was just, it's great. I always, like, that's one movie that you you stay and you listen to the credits every time because there's just so much good music. I love the end of that movie, the end credits where, you know, it's like the the original theme from the original Star Trek show plays. Exactly. Mm -hmm. A variation of it. It's very good. It's very, 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 very respectful, but also very creative. Yes, yes. Absolutely. All right, my number three now. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Um, my number three is, you know, obviously, if this has made it to my top three uh, scores ever, uh, it's got to be pretty good. And John Williams is the man for sure. Nineteen ninety-three, Jurassic Park.
I listen to the Jurassic Park suite weekly, you know, sometimes two or three times a week on any given day, uh, usually in my car, vehicle, my work vehicle, whatever, always makes me cry and tear up because like I said with the Pirates of the Caribbean uh, music, if I, it's like, it's, it's hard because not a whole lot of dinosaur movies have been made before and this is like the quintessential one and what what kind of music do you come up with that feels ancient and like like it's living and it feels prehistoric in nature this theme nails it john williams knows what he's doing he knows he doesn't just write music he makes you feel something you know and it's not something you can really put into words necessarily you just know that when it's matched up with whatever movie it's with that's the music for that movie no other music could work and Jurassic Park is a prime example of that and I can't help but every time I listen to it think of the scenes you know from the movie where uh Grant is looking at the dinosaurs for the first time and the music swells and it's it's incredible and then that bridge over to the next portion of the suite where they're flying to the island for the first time and that music is just so epic but also falls into the category of feeling prehistoric and ancient and and like a wonderful adventure that you're about to go on and it captures it perfectly and I I am in love with that score. Jurassic Park is to me it defines that movie so much because mm. you have a movie that could have easily been a horror film. Could have easily oh, yeah. been about like oh my god dinosaurs eating people. And a lot <laughs> of that is of course Steven Spielberg going like no we're going to focus on the kind of wondrous approach but the John Williams music does so much to it as you know, showcasing that wonder, that spectacle of it. And not it's not about like, oh, God, it's like, okay, dinosaurs are real and they exist and they're part of it. And, uh, yeah, go back to our Jurassic Park to listen to us gush about those films. But uh, it's it, the music does so much, does so much of the heavy lifting in selling you on the theme of that film. Yeah, for sure. Oh, boy. We're to me now, I suppose? Yes, it is. I suppose so. All right. Um, much much along the lines of what you were talking about experiencing with Jurassic Park, Jake, is what I experienced with this film. Um, anytime I'm listening to the soundtrack from this film, I'm pretty much putting myself um, in the place of the characters and experiencing the same things that they're experiencing. Uh, whether that's joy, adventure, fear, whatever it may be, it's like the music takes you along for the adventure. And to be able to visualize that just from musical notes is basically like an art form. You're able to paint a picture in your mind just from music. And yeah. that, is, that is an extremely rare gift. And it's one that, uh, that Mr. Howard Shore is uh, very, very adept at doing. And while some people have, have kind of pushed all six films together, I'm going to pick just one. And say that it's the first one, because without that first one, we don't have the the awe and the inspiration from all the others. So checking in at number three for me is going to be Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring.
I, I really, really love the, the music from The Shire and Hobbiton, and then the adventure that kind of transpires after all of that. Um, th- there's just so many great pieces, and to listen to it from beginning to end is to be able to put yourself in the place of where that movie is, like that point in time in the movie, just by listening to it. The Lord of the Rings is just like that's the music is so much a part of that too. Like it, oh, yeah. it just totally sells it, and yeah, and there's so many themes in there. Like everyone credits like John Williams for like you know doing the themes for Star Wars and Jurassic Park and all these things, but like there's a lot of great themes, and they they're they're proudly shown and they're expertly put into this. Like again, soundtrack show. Listen to that. Like how many like. He worked diligently with uh, Peter Jackson on creating that score. It's amazing. Yep. It's why it's in my top three. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, are we on to number twos now? Mm. Yep, yep. <laughs> Don't say it. Don't say it. I know what you're thinking. Oh, Don't brother do it. Zach, no. <laughs> I can't. I can't handle it right now. It's just too late for that. <laughs> I'm going to have to think of some other way. We're just, you know how, like, hotels don't have a 13th floor. Yeah. We're just going to have to not have a second. We're going to start at six, <laughs> five, four, three, and one. And that's going to be it. So we can avoid ever doing that again. You're I'm saying, with you. Because you're, you're saying you don't want to have a number two? <laughs> Unbelievable. My God. <laughs> just can't. Just, just, just got to ruin everything. Anyway, my second... One is Jurassic Park. Nice. What can you say? What can you say? I couldn't, you know, I kind of, I kind of already bragged on it a bit here, but yeah, it's amazing. And it's, there's so many, like, people know. It's funny how I think there's several themes that people know off the top of their head as Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you have kind of the, the island theme, you have the Jurassic Park theme, and there's several different ones that I think people, if you ask somebody to hum, them something from Jurassic Park, they would maybe pick something different, or multiple people would pick something different, and that just goes to show like how great and iconic that theme, those themes are. Yeah, you've heard me go on tangents about Journey to the Island before during our John Williams episode. You you've heard me uh, talk about how often I I've listened to that piece before. I actually have that album on my phone and. Whenever I need to get like pumped up for the day, I'll set it as like an alarm, and it'll be like the first thing I hear when I wake up in the morning. And it's the it's the only alarm music that I've never gotten ticked off at. You know, sometimes sometimes I'll sometimes I'll hear an alarm song, and I'm like, oh, I hate this movie now, or I hate this song now. But it's never been the case with Jurassic Park music. It's a, it's always a great way to start the day. It's a great pick me up during the day. It's a great way to end the day. There's just there's no bad time to listen to the Jurassic Park soundtrack. I agree. You know, using certain soundtrack scores as like wake up music can be dangerous because like I love this. I love this, but I'm afraid I'm going to end up hating it if I keep waking up to it. Like, you know, I I like, oh, God, I got to get up for work. Don't make me dang you. You know, (laughs) I I, I think you used to have the uh, a good one is uh, what's the one from last Jedi where Luke is walking out onto the battlefield. Um, it's the spark because it starts real low and then it builds up. So it kind of gives you a minute to kind of get up before it gets really loud. 
Yeah. So I used to have a routine on my old phone where every day of the week had a different alarm sound. And so oh, nice. like so like Mondays it would be Jurassic Park music because it it was Monday. I needed something to to start my Monday off right. Um Tuesday it would be I want to say the opening theme music to Monsters Inc. Yeah. The the jazz the jazz music that they play uh at the beginning of Monsters Inc. Yeah. Wednesdays it would be the cleaner from Toy Story 2. Mm-hmm. Where he's fixing up Woody and they got that music playing in the background. That's great, yes. Um Thursdays it was shoot, what was it? I was just thinking of it. I can't remember what Thursdays were. I literally just had it and I can't remember what it was. Uh, but then Fridays, to kind of celebrate the last day of the week, I would play um, Trash in the Camp by Phil Collins and NSYNC with them doing their, their scatting and doo-wopping instead of nice. like the theatrical version. And it would just be like, yup, 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 it's the weekend. Like, I would... Shoo-ba-doop, shoo-ba-doop, Exactly. Um... But yeah, I I would play Jurassic Park music to to wake me up and get my day going, and uh, sometimes it was dangerous. Oh, I know what I would play on Thursdays. Um, you got a friend in me from Toy Story. Yeah, yep. yeah. From from the original Toy Story. So I had a lot of Pixar in there. Now that I realize it, yeah. a lot of lot of Disney, a lot of Pixar, and just one Jurassic Park. I don't know what's wrong with me. I've, <laughs> Yeah, what is wrong with you? Still trying uh, to figure it out. I'm, I mean, 26 years almost, and I still haven't figured it out. <laughs> the ever, ever, everlasting journey. Well, I feel you. we shall, we shall see what happens. Uh, Jake, I believe we're to your second favorite now. All right, um, my number two, haha, Zach, haha, haha, um, is Hans Zimmer did this one and. Uh, did fantastic fantastic job with this entire thing um he in 1998 composed the prince of egypt Let's go. 
if you're like me, possibly, you grew up with the Prince of Egypt. Maybe watched it once, maybe watched it twice, who knows. But even if you saw it once and you heard any one of these tracks, you're going to instantly remember it. These things stick with you. They are deep. They are emotional. They're moving. Uh, tracks like Deliver Us, the opening track, is is amazing, to say the least. Uh, Through Heaven's Eyes is a fun song. Um, when You Believe, Mariah Carey sang that one. Um, so many tracks on this that are just beautiful, I think is the perfect word. And you can tell each of these tracks was composed with care and uh i think hans zimmer did a fantastic job with this movie i forgot hans zimmer did that one to be honest that's great yeah i i I forgot they did that one too i know that he did the lion king which was another one that would have ended up on my honorable mentions but i i forgot that he did the prince of egypt very good worth worth a rewatch so many so many things i could say about that movie that i don't know if we have time for um, but I, I will say if we end up doing a top five, uh, DreamWorks films list, Prince of Egypt's going to end up probably in my top two. For me, Shrek followed by Prince of Egypt right under that. No, I'm just kidding. I couldn't say that. With the mm. Yeah. You can't, you can't even finish that sentence where we're like, <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I, oh man, so many things, so many things that I wish I could say, but I digress. We're we're getting short on time, and uh, I'm getting punchy. So uh, let's 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 go into uh, in, into what I would classify as my second favorite. See, I'm behaving myself. Um, it it shouldn't be much of a surprise about how these top two are going to be rounding themselves out. It's just a matter of which order they're in. Spoiler alert: both of them are scores by John Williams. But that narrows it down to like what twenty movies or something like that. <laughs> like, pretty pretty hard to distinguish all of those. But this is one of my favorite movies of all time, and it's only made better with one of the best film scores of all time. You know, there are individual themes that are fantastic. There are overarching themes that are fantastic. And it just gives you that that sense of adventure that makes it such an amazing, amazing movie. And it's one of my top five movies that I'll never say no to. And I still hold to that, even after all this time. That list really has not changed a whole lot, at least not in the context of this film. Checking in as my second favorite film score of all time, it's going to be the only one from this franchise, and that is Empire Strikes Back. of individual pieces like Across the Stars or The Spark or Duel of the Fates. Plenty of individuals that are really, really fantastic. But to me, Empire is one of the only ones that is just near flawless from start to finish. It, it really is. That that's whole score. And, it, and it, it expands on Star Wars so much. Like you have, like we talked about last week, you know, New Hope. 
establishes so many things, but guess what? The Imperial March is not in A New Hope. The Empire Strikes Back is the one that introduces that, that thing. Right. It's arguably one of the most iconic scores of all time, specifically even Star Wars. Like, it's amazing. And you have Han and Leia, and you have so many that are in Empire that really just expand the scope of the the whole musical you know, focus of Star Wars, as does Empire just in general expand what Star Wars is. So, uh, yeah, it's it's brilliant. Yeah. I don't really have much more to say other than I, I kind of want to go back and watch the movie again just so I can listen to the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, that's totally thanks so, so it is is it is it is it mine is it is, is is am i am i up we've made it we finally made it all the way to the number ones yes sir all right so i feel like my number one could be a bit unexpected a bit of a hot take and i need Ooh. to explain it so spoiler alert it's star wars but it's maybe not the star wars that you think because obviously I limited myself. I could have done a Star Wars for every one of my fives, but I didn't. I wanted to keep it a bit unusual. I want to give shout-outs to other franchises. I have to control myself. I have to control my inner Star Wars fan that you know wants to take over everything. So I limited myself to one Star Wars film. So I'm like, okay, like every Star Wars film is number one to me, but like, what is the best one? Which one has the best soundtrack? I love them all for different reasons. I think original trilogy is great. The prequel trilogy, some ways even better. And the sequel trilogy, I really like a lot of the stuff, and even the spinoff films, as we talk about with Rogue One. Even Solo, I think, is a really great soundtrack. It's one I listen to a lot. But what's the best one? Well, I think, in my personal opinion, I think the original trilogy was good. I think the sequel trilogy is good. I personally think that... Star Wars soundtracks peaked with the prequel trilogy, specifically The Phantom Menace. Yeah. And that is my number one. just is so great and so diverse in the way that you know it it it's not dealing with a lot of themes previous themes you don't have the imperial march not in a big way anyway um but you have the force theme here and there but you're dealing with a lot of new themes you have trade federation theme you have anakin's theme which certainly doesn't show up a whole lot thing but it's like a great theme um you have at the end <laughs> i'm gonna give my third shout out to david collins on this episode because I went to his panel at Celebration, and he outlined, and I actually heard this before, but it was amazing to actually hear people gasp in the audience when he revealed this, because the end of A Phantom Menace, when you have the parade sequence and this this jovial theme that's playing throughout the whole sequence, 
that is actually Palpatine's theme from Return of the Jedi played in a different chord. What? If you actually listen to it, it's Wait, the same music. It, it's just at a different tempo? Pretty much. In a different key, I should say. That's amazing. It's the same music. Jeff could probably tell you this. <laughs> he's the music He's the music man among us. But uh, it's the same music. I swear to you it is. That's I need to go. Awesome. I need to go back and listen to Palpatine's just, theme. Just listen. Just listen to it. Listen to that. You know, it goes through it, but it's just amped up. In the same way that the um, when when in the Vader hallway scene in Rogue One, um, that is the Imperial March, I believe, just in a different key. And you have the choral da 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 da. If you actually speed it up, it's imperial march but it's slowed down and it's done in coral so uh wow yeah it's it messes with your head it's like you can't unhear it once you hear it but all that is to say the phantom menace is an amazing film duel of the fates is one of the best most iconic scores in all of star wars and you get a lot of other things too so that's my number one that I'm looking this up awesome. i'm not i'm not saying you're wrong i just want to find like a side-by-side comparison Okay. Well, while you do that, I can... Really quick, I'm just going to put this as an edit point. For those of you in the future listening, I'm going to put those two scores back to the back unless you listen to them and see <laughs> what you think. So, uh, here. My uh, my number one is one that Zach actually has on his list. Um, it is 2001's and Howard Shore's The Fellowship of the Ring.
grew up with Lord of the Rings, and man, 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 right from the start, kind of a dark opening, a retelling of what happened in ages past. Go right into the Shire, where you have Bilbo Baggins telling you what hobbits are. <laughs> uh, the music that goes along with that is amazing. Could watch it a million times and never get bored. Um, and just all throughout, all throughout this film, you've got score after score, track after track of of music that is delightful and adventurous and scary and threatening, and it just runs through them all, and you feel them all, and it is so so good. He nailed what Lord of the Rings was supposed to be, how it was supposed to make you feel, and. I loved it so much. I uh, I used the Shire theme as uh, the music for for when everybody kind of came down the aisle before my wife Sharon uh, came down later. Nice. Um, different music for that, but yeah, Lord of the Rings music. Howard Shore, you were in my wedding, man. Good job. I love it when nerds put nerdy music in their weddings. I love that. <laughs> I tried to push for some Star Wars stuff, but uh, I don't know if it would have fit exactly. But uh, yeah, this one was just really good. The only see, I'm glad I'm glad you had the audacity to like push for that because I'm not <laughs> sure I would be like, oh god, he's gonna put. Of course, he's gonna put Star Wars music in his wedding. Like that's I had to do that. I almost didn't, but I was like, you know what? It doesn't hurt to at least try, and uh, I did. So I love it. There you go. Nice. Well, okay, so I think we got the number one for Mr. Zach Arnold up next. Yes, yes, yes. And I, I don't think this is going to come as any surprise to anybody. Considering what I have on my list and considering what is not yet on my list and considering how much I talk about this particular film and this particular soundtrack, uh, I don't. I don't think anybody's really going to be aghast at what I'm about to say. It's the soundtrack from Zombies, guys. Yes. <laughs> yes. Without that movie, it's just a bunch of cheap, cheesily drawn pieces of animatronics and, and poorly done CGI and a bunch of people who are overacting and don't know how to properly fall off of a zip line. Like <laughs> this movie yeah. this movie does not exist without without the soundtrack and it's just it's it's phenomenal it's adventurous and it's totally not my number one uh but my number one is something that inspired zombies believe it or not Mm -hmm. and it actually gets referenced in zombies believe it or not oh yes it does Uh, at one at one point they literally just outright say it and i'm like ugh you dumb bleeps (laughs) Why would you put that in your script? But I digress. This is the only movie that I have ever witnessed an orchestra performing the film score during a viewing of the film. I I saw this movie back in April at the local orchestra. Um, It was an event that they were doing. And it was totally awesome and just beautiful to hear. And it just reinforced my love for this soundtrack. And like I've said, 
I've used it as pick-me-ups. I've used it as wake-me-ups. And I've just watched this movie whenever I'm feeling down. And I could just close my eyes and listen to the music, as the Doobie Brothers say. And just know exactly where we are in this film. My number one probably will always be Jurassic Park by John Williams. There's just no other way to put it. There's no other place for me to put it. It's just everything from the the opening that sets things off with the with the danger of the raptors to the chorus that, that's doing like a choral overtones during the, the dig to the triumphant fanfare at the journey to the island to Hammond's lament when talking about his flea circus to the intimidating tones that get played during the raptor chase. I really feel like this is peak John Williams. Not to disparage anything that he did in Star Wars or Empire Strikes Back or E.T. or anything like that, but I really feel like he hit his stride with this movie. Because like you said, Jake, it gave you a sense of of 65 million years of history while also feeling completely modern and adventurous. Uh, it, it was simultaneously heartwarming and intimidating. Mm-hmm. Like this, this piece, this film score has everything. It's got harmonies, it's got melodies, it's got counter melodies, it's got consonant chords, dissonant chords, it's got some stuff that doesn't even have a melody. Like, I, I know that I'm going off of a few of the terms that I know about music, but it just it feels like it has everything. And I get a little bit of everything from this film score, including getting a little teary-eyed sometimes. Yep. It it, it has that effect? Absolutely. Uh, I could be mistaken, yeah, but I'm, so I, I'm looking back at it, I think this is the only one that appeared in all three of our lists. Yeah, I think so. 
I think that stands to the power of that soundtrack. Yep. And just the fact that we're all on a fairly similar wavelength, because I don't know how often Jurassic Park got listed in other people's top fives, but it wasn't that often. Right. No. No. Once. Still one. Two. Joey had it in his, and Carrie had it in his. So a total of four of the 24 lists had Jurassic Park in it. That's a damn shame. What is wrong with you people? So we made up almost half of the Jurassic Parks. Just about. Just about. (laughs) That's crazy to think about. Well, I know what the outro music is going to be then, just to stick it to people. (laughs) Yeah, I guess guess it's been decided. (laughs) I just made a unilateral decision on behalf of everybody. But, you know, going back to what you were talking about with the Emperor's theme and how it uh, contrasts with the Phantom Menace's theme, I don't really know if we had anything in mind for a quote of the night tonight, but I feel like it probably should be something pertaining to the Emperor now. Um, are we just going to go ahead and make this decision right now? Are we going to just talk this out? Because I have some ideas, maybe. I mean... I, does someone have a suggestion? I was just thinking the throne room scene confronting Luke so that you hear the music playing in the background. There you go. And there you go. I, I have no problem with that. Sure, let's do that. We literally just decided that live right now on the air. So uh, for those of you listening on Apple Podcasts and uh, Google Play and all that sort of thing, through the, the magic of post-production and editing, we now present to you tonight's Quote of the Night. know your father can never be turned from the dark side so will it be with you you're wrong soon I'll be dead and you with me (laughs) perhaps you'll refer to the imminent attack on your rebel fleet yes I assure you 
We are quite safe from your friends here. Your overconfidence is your weakness. Your faith in your friends is yours. It is pointless to resist, my son. Everything that has transpired has done so according to my design. Your friends up there on the sanctuary moon are walking into a trap, as is your rebel fleet. It was I who allowed the Alliance to know the location of the shield generator. It is quite safe from your pitiful little band. An entire legion of my best troops awakes them. Oh, I'm afraid the deflector shield will be quite operational when your friends arrive. Come, boy. See for yourself. From here, you will witness the final destruction of the Alliance and the end of your insignificant rebellion. more my servant. No. It is unavoidable. It is your destiny. You, like your father, are now mine. And there you have it. A lot of love for Star Wars, a lot of love for the Emperor, and, uh, a, a quote that was rather impromptu, but rather poignant as well. And just a great scene. Great yeah. Scene. I love just going, just the random stuff, you know, going to these random scenes. We're talking about a, lot, a lot about Star Wars lately, but, you know, that scene, man, it's so great. Mm-hmm. See, that almost makes up for the cannibalistic teddy bears on the moon below, but not quite. <laughs> well, I mean... That is, if you accept that they need to be made up for, or they're not the greatest thing in Star Wars ever. Ugh, I'm not getting into that with you. It's too late. <laughs> we'll, we'll save it. We'll save it for the Return of the Jedi in discussion in a couple months. Ugh. And that's where Jake will take my side and will will viciously attack you like a teddy bear on a sta- on a stormtrooper. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Assuming Jake's on my side, which he better be. I will be. Well, we will have time for a uh, discussion of that film as we get ready for our uh, The Rise of Skywalker review come December. But we're not quite there yet. Uh, but a place that we are at is uh, another really famed segment that we've got here on the show, one that we do sometimes in the beginning, sometimes in the middle, most of the time at the end, which means our episode is close to winding down, but not before this is through. So, folks... Get out your hashtags and put them on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and everything else that carries a hashtag, which you can find us on those social media platforms at IPC Podcast, by the way. But it is time, without further ado, for hashtag BBQ Watch. Barbecue. Barbecue. 
Okay, so with all this talk about film scores, I feel it's only appropriate that that be part of what we discuss here uh, during this barbecue segment as well. Um, how how do film scores taste when they're barbecued? I uh, sure, sure. Um, a little stringy sometimes, I suppose. That was a bad joke. That was a bad joke. Wow. I don't. I don't. I don't mean we're, to toot my own horn there. Uh, but no, my, my, my thought is when you're, when you're hosting a barbecue or a cookout or, or something along those lines, or even if it's just at your restaurant, you know, maybe you're, you're playing music to kind of help liven the mood a little bit. Um, a lot of times it's probably party music or some mix that you've got off of Spotify or whatever, but let's say you want something that doesn't have vocals in it so that it's easier to carry on the conversation amongst the neighbors or the people at the restaurant. Uh, what kind of film score would you most want to listen to or play in that situation? I, I mean, obviously, I'm going to go for Star Wars first. That's, that's just me. First of all, really quick, just, just to get really real with you for a second, you can't actually play film scores unless you have special permission... <laughs> Oh in a public place you cannot do it it's it's not allowed you have to actually like you know sign a contract and pay money to a certain company in order to do it which sucks alright it sucks copyright sucks mm-hmm. but uh, if I did get special permission yes absolutely Star Wars I don't know like I don't know what particular one I would say one of the Ewok themes because them Ewoks can have a good cookout and uh, it might put people in the mood even though it would technically be cannibalism. I was about to say, in the mood for cannibalism, don't they try and eat Han and Luke? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, For me, it might be some of the more melodic elements of Jurassic Park, and I know that we just talked about Jurassic Park, but I I honestly feel like that's one of the ones that just would put me personally in a better mood and might put other people in a better mood. I can't picture, you know, something like... Close Encounters of the Third Kind, or even Schindler's List, or something like that, playing and people wanting to, to, to partake while that's going on. And actually, it's funny because there is a uh, Jurassic Park themed restaurant in the TV show Parks and Rec. Oh, really? Hmm. It, it's called Jurassic Fork. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'll have the Brontosaurus steak. <laughs> Oh, the the whole menu is themed after dinosaur stuff. There's like a jungle foliage that's all around, and there's like a a T-Rex that's like standing up in the middle of the dining hall and stuff. It's it's, it's kind of a spoof on the Rainforest Cafe. Pretty much. Pretty much. But, you know, if they were to play the the theme to Jurassic Park, I would probably eat there two or three times a week. It's funny. It's funny. I don't know if you've seen this, Zach, but in uh, I know in Orlando, last time I was there at, at uh, Disney Springs, which used to be uh, downtown Disney is their whole shopping area with Disney. Along with the Rainforest Cafe, they now have a dinosaur cafe with animatronic dinosaurs. <laughs> oh, wow. 
Yeah. Mm. I've never been in it, but it sounds... I have a feeling you would get a kick out of it. Oh, totally. Absolutely. No, I mean... So you're having dinner, and it's so realistic that you actually are dinner to a (laughs) T-Rex. I mean, their their piercing roar in the middle of my supper might not be as welcome as just hearing a, a fake lion's roar come out of a speaker from behind me or something. I I really I couldn't tell. Um, but it sounds like it would be something that I would totally go do for the experience. The Rainforest Cafe is pretty cool. I don't remember the food being like that. No, fantastic. you you don't go for the food. You go for the atmosphere. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, and. For me, I think I would choose, you know, one of the songs that Mary and Pippin sing from, like, The Green Dragon or something like that. Like, everybody's eating meat and drinking ale, and it just seems like, a, a, you know, good music to play during that. I would pick, yeah, I would definitely pick something, like, that's not, like, the Imperial March or, like, the the ring theme or whatever. Like, pick something a bit more obscure mm-hmm. so people don't necessarily catch it right off the bat. Right. Or or just the Hobbiton Shire music on loop. Yeah. Because that's just really pleasant. If you walk in and you hear those flutes playing, I'm just be like, yeah, I'm going to be as barefoot as the Hobbits, man. Yep, exactly. Just, <laughs> just kick off my shoes and get comfy here. Or just play the Jaws theme nonstop, 24-7, um, at max volume. <laughs> I can't Some... actually hear you. Someone dun, dun, move dun, dun, this dun, dun, walking dun. carpet. Someone move this walking carpet. By oh, the way, key. just a commentary on just general music in restaurants. Don't play it too loud. Please. I'd like to have conversations and stuff like that. Like, what is the deal with, like, turning it up so loud you can't hear the person across from you talk? Right? Yeah. I'm with you, man. Like, there used to be a special thing. Like, you remember Hard Rock Cafe if you've ever been to one of those, like, those used to be like special like you'd go there and like it was on max volume you couldn't hear yourself think but that was part of the novelty of it not all the restaurants do it like it's just stupid yeah i agree yeah but the places that you go to that kind of require softer tones also require tipping the hat check girl and the waiter yeah yeah because we live in a society that doesn't actually pay restaurant employees worth a damn so okay i wasn't talking about the the rate of pay i was talking about you go to more expensive high-end places and those are the ones that tend to be quieter i still used it as a way to be an sjw and it complained about something (sighs) well this is as much your platform as it is mine man who am i to deny you and it's late and we're both losing our minds so whatever Well, before we completely lose our minds, a reminder to go find everybody on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at IPC Podcast. There's links to all of our social media pages there as well. You can find us at StarWarsUnderworld.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Google Play. You can find our merchandise at TeePublic.com slash user slash IPC Podcast. There's stickers, there's shirts, there's hoodies. You know, it's almost hoodie season, you guys. I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. We're getting closer to that. We're getting close to pumpkin spice, too, which I'm pissed off about, but I best save that for another time. (laughs) uh, Pumpkin spice flavored motor oil. That's what I'm looking forward to. We're going to end up talking about pumpkin spice barbecue somewhere down the line. You know that's coming. I'm looking forward to it. Ugh. Anyways, yeah, go yeah, find yeah. us on our hosting site as well at ipcpodcast.podbean. Pod as in podcast, bean as in green bean. ipcpodcast.podbean.com. 
to find our entire library of every episode we've ever done, and to stay up to date on all the ones that we are about to do. Uh, fellas, to be more specific, where can the folks at home find you online? Um, you can find me at Ben Hart with no E, exactly how it sounds, on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And then pretty much everything I do is over on StarWarsUnderworld.com. And you can hear me on the Star Wars Underworld podcast weekly, which I should give an update on. Um, I don't know if we've actually announced this anywhere. If not, I'm announcing it now. Later this week, which is, as you guys probably noticed by now, we're kind of recording this earlier than normal, so I'm not sure when this is actually going to be coming out. But we will not be live on the Star Wars Unfold podcast on Thursday. Instead, D23 is going to be happening, and we're going to be doing, I believe, daily podcasts, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night. So we're going to be covering all the Star Wars news coming out of D23, and it's going to be a good time so go look for those they should be popping up on your feeds um over the weekend that's gonna be a lot of fun lots of lots of podcasting in store for mr hart telling you um you can find me on twitter at jake damon and you can find me on instagram at jake w damon and uh my brother and i my brother andrew and i are doing a podcast called ben 10 again where we go through one of our childhood favorites uh, a show meant for you know ten-year-olds as twenty-four and twenty-one-year-olds. Uh, ben Ten, and it's been a lot of fun. I as as within this last fifteen minutes here have just uploaded episode four for your listening pleasure. Uh, it should be available on Anchor and uh, Spotify, and I'm working on some of the kinks on uh, getting it up on some other places too, like Apple and Google Play and all, all those fun places. But like with all technology, it has to be difficult for no good reason. So I'm working on that. Uh, yeah, give it a listen. Whew. So many podcasts, so little time. And we are out of time for this rendition of the IPC podcast. Uh, season 2, Episode 2 is now in the books. For Jake Damon and Benjamin Hart, I'm Zach Arnold. Thank you for submitting your lists if you sent one in to us. If not, there will be another one in about a month or so, so be sure to stay on the lookout for that. But until then, and until next week, I'm Zach Arnold. Thank you for tuning in. We hope that you'll tune in next week. But until that time comes around, we just want to leave you with this final thought. The young are often underestimated. We hope to see you next time right here on IPC. But until then, good night, everyone.
long time ago, far, far away. Kiss a Wookiee, kick a droid, fly the Falcon through an asteroid, till the princess is annoyed. This is spaceships, it's monsters, it's Star Wars, we love it, come and help me. Obi-Wan, X-Wing fighter, and the blaster gun, dance with Ewoks, so we're fun. This is spaceships, it's monsters, it's Star Wars, we love it. Get in there, you big furry-o. I couldn't care less what, what you smell. smell.